0: <laughs> Spot of gold. Good morning, and welcome to another exciting episode of Ramble by the River. I'm your host Jeff Nesbitt. Let's get it started. It is Saturday, May fifteenth, twenty twenty-one, and we got a great show for you today. You can find Ramble on the River on Instagram at Ramble by the River, or on Twitter at Ramble River Pod, or on Facebook at Ramble by the River. Instagram is probably the best place to get updates and just general show content. That's probably where most of it will be. We're still taking suggestions. That includes for guests or topics or whatever, criticism of the show, whatever you got. Go ahead and hit me up and do it through any service, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, whatever, email even. All of that information is available in the show notes. So go ahead and check that out. All right, guys, this is the part I hate, but I have to do it. It's actually important. If you have not already done it, actually, even if you have, please go leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Please hit the subscribe button on any and all of the services you use to consume podcasts. That subscribe button is what's going to keep me able to produce this show because when you hit it, the computer tells other people about the show because it's like, oh, Billy likes Ramble by the River. So Sally is probably going to like it, too, because they have a lot in common. So it it really matters. I'm not doing a whole lot of marketing. I'm not doing a lot of advertising at all. This is the way we're going to spread this show. So as a Ram fam, we got to get together and spread it around a little bit if we want to keep doing this, which I really do because I'm having a blast. So please subscribe to the show. Please share the links. Tell people about it. We got to spread this around. I'm enjoying creating this to share with you. So I want to keep doing it. While you're listening to Ramble by the River today, if you happen to have one of those thoughts where your brain tells you, oh, yeah, so and so would really be interested in that little tidbit of information. And, you know, we get these kind of thoughts all the time. And usually you just have it and then move on with your life. And if you ever see that person, you maybe bring it up, but who knows, probably not. This time, I want you to actually take the initiative to stop and connect with that person. Like, oh, Jim really is interested in fermenting cabbage in jars underground. I'm gonna send him a link to this podcast and then send it. Actually do it. It'll feel good. And even though it feels weird to reach out to people, like what if you've never heard from them for a long time? You know, what if they think you're weird for listening to a weird podcast? Who cares? Life is great, life is complicated, and they're probably gonna get over it and they'll probably be interested in who knows, they might even like the show too. My point is this. Share it. Let's get into it. Let's make it a community. We gotta do this together, guys. I can't do it on my own. Just do your part, if you can. Subscribe, like, share. I really appreciate it. I'm enjoying doing this for you guys. Keep sharing it. All right, that's it. I won't talk about it anymore.
1: Here's your engagement, present, Donald. Oh, Jeffrey, it's beautiful.
0: I don't know about you, but I get stumped when it comes to buying gifts. In particular, when it comes to buying gifts for my female companion, my wife. And, you know, it's not that easy. You would think it would be easy because there's shit everywhere to buy, but it just seems like the more shit is out there, the less special everything is. How many times have you been standing in front of a jewelry case, staring at the pieces, and, you know, honestly just not being able to give a single fuck? It all looks the same. It all looks the same, and it all looks like cheap costume shit. Who wants diamonds anyway? People die for them. Blood diamonds, you know? Leo DiCaprio is against it. And so I'm against it, just like global warming. Let's face it, a lot of that diamond bullshit, you shouldn't be wasting your money on it. You know, they dug a rock out of the ground, they cut it into a shape that looked fancy, and then they sold it to you for a 10,000% markup. It's completely worthless. The De Beers company has screwed us into thinking diamonds are scarce when they're really not. They got warehouses full of them. They let a few at a time trickle out so that they can keep the demand high, supply low. It's a really good racket, and we've all bought in. Fuck diamonds. You know what? There are better options. And one of them is coming at you right now. And that's Jacob's hammer. Jacob is a man who likes to make things. He's a craftsman. He's a renaissance man, which I don't know if you know what renaissance man means. But that means a guy who knows how to do lots of shit. With Jacob's hammer, you get real jewelry built by a real craftsman in an actual blacksmith shop. And it's amazing. It doesn't all look like the same pieces over and over again. It's unique. It's special, it's beautiful, and it's affordable. It's amazing stuff. The pieces that are made by Jacob's Hammer are like no others. There are no competitors that are coming anywhere close. They look awesome. They have all kinds of different designs. They're artistic, they're creative. Each one is made by hand and they're special. So the next time that you are stumped and you need to get something really special for that loved one, go check out Jacob's Hammer and I really think that she'll be pleased. Hell, if if you want something for yourself, you wanna have a little dangly ear i got no problem with that go do it get yourself a couple jacobs hammers you'll be glad you did go to instagram at jacobs underscore hammer underscore for gallery and for business communications and if you want to just go look at the pieces in real life there is a display case at a drift hotel and distillery right there in the lobby sterling silver oyster shell earrings which are my personal favorite they're beautiful they're really one of a kind. Each pair is different and you really can see the craftsmanship. It's amazing. So check them out. One more time, that is at Jacobs underscore Hammer underscore on Instagram for the full gallery and contact information. And tell him Jeff Nesbysencha.
1: Oh, Jeffrey, you're a peach.
0: My guest today is owner and head craftsman at Jacobs Hammer. Assistant distiller at Adrift Distillers in Long Beach, Washington and he's former project coordinator for the Willapa Oyster Growers Association. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please enjoy this interview with the delightful and multi-talented Jacob Moore. How's your day going, man?
2: It's going really well. I brought you some sauerkraut, as promised. Oh, sweet.
0: Forgot all about the sauerkraut. Ooh, that's pretty.
2: There it is. It's pink. Yeah.
0: So you made that how long ago?
2: Uh... Maybe January. I love I love some sauerkraut. Hmm? Well, I'm excited to see what you think.
0: Yeah, I have some beer here and some of the spirits that you
2: brewed. Helped concoct? Yeah. Um, I'm good with my LaCroix at this point. Sounds good to me, man.
0: Mm. I made a joke about... Oh, you probably heard it if you listen to Matt's podcast. I made a joke about him and me jerking each other off. <laughs> And he did not acknowledge it. <laughs> and then like yeah. a half an hour later, I had to bring it up again just to acknowledge that it was in fact a joke. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I did not have any intention of masturbating him. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could really use a change of scenery. Yeah. Everybody's smoking all the greenery. Yeah. Close the matches, they were handed down to me. But I'm still fly. I'm still fly. I know. Still fly, I'm still fly. Let's go. It could all be worse. I could be a hater like you. It could all be worse. to make the man, but that poison's gonna chew you from the inside out. So right now, say it with your chest now. Say it with your chest now. Yes, I'm young.
0: It was fun though. Um, that's part of this is just like learning where people's boundaries are com- oh, yeah. conversationally. Okay, because they're they're very different. Everybody's like, I'm a pretty open person. You know mm-hmm. that. Um, but even me, me like, there's some stuff where I just like I bump up against the topic, and I'm just like, I do not want to go in there. Um, totally. My instincts as a human are like back out of that one, but my instincts as a podcast host are like. Lean in. Mm-hmm, go in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's where the juicy stuff usually is.
2: Yeah. For sure. Nothing good comes easy, right?
0: Yeah. Um. Just a quick rundown. Microphone is in front of you. Uh, have you ever recorded stuff with your voice before? Not really. It's super simple. Uh, you mm-hmm. eventually just forget it's even there. For sure. I was going to say this, we could try it without headphones. Mm-hmm. Um, this would be the first time we've done the whole thing without headphones. Yeah. I think it'll probably go fine. I, I just haven't before because it's it helps you kind of figure out how to talk in the mic and get the right sound. Um, so gotcha. you're welcome to wear them. They're there. But I'm not going to wear them today because they're messing with my jaw. Mm-hmm. And they're making me have to talk weird. So I'm just going to say. Fuck well, it. how do you think my volume is? On here, it's looking really good. but it's Well, maybe I'll convenient. start with the headphones just to
2: see what yeah, it I, sounds like. I recommend
0: I that, actually. It, it works cool. pretty good. But yeah, I was getting everything set up earlier and it was like giving me a lisp because it just where it runs in back here. Sure. I, I'm close to the braces being over.
2: Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Um, but they still affect how I speak. It's, Definitely. It's going to be a whole new podcast after they're gone. Yep. <laughs> I'll be just saying the most complex words, pronunciation perfect. Slippery words. Oh, yeah. Not yet, though.
2: Um, how long have you had them on?
0: Mm, two years. Two years. And it was not nearly as bad i I put it off for like fifteen years, yeah, <laughs> like seriously, since I was seventeen, I think I am gonna have a beer um, that shouldn't be yeah,
2: over. they're just kind of a thorn in your side, right
0: yeah they're, they're really it was more of like the social thing. I was mm-hmm. embarrassed, I have no idea why, um, embarrassed to have the braces on, or yeah, I was more embarrassed to have braces than I was to have crooked teeth <laughs> for some reason, I don't know why, and yeah. Yeah. And then, but Probably as an adult an thing, you know? Yeah, totally. Cause uh, it, what finally took me to get the braces was when the aesthetics kind of stopped mattering cause I'm like a grown up uh, mm-hmm. with a wife and kids and nobody's <laughs> judging my, the straightness of my teeth uh, on a meaningful level. Yeah. Uh, but it started affecting my alignment of my jaw and my hearing cause it's like messes with how I swallow and the muscles in my neck. It just like started fucking with everything. Because right. there wasn't enough room in my mouth for all my big-ass teeth. Mm-hmm. So I had to adjust and, you know, make some space. For sure. I'm so glad I did. All that shit went away. For I mean, I'd say 75% of it went away. Nice. I don't get the headaches like I did before or anything like
2: that. Less wear and tear, too, because your yeah. teeth fit better yeah. together.
0: And... Well, it's funny you say that. I had Bruxism like a motherfucker.
2: Me, too. Maybe
0: you have the <laughs> same problem. Get Throw some braces on there, man. Makes a yeah. world of difference.
2: <laughs> I wear a mouth guard.
0: Oh so I like yeah, them. I do buy You must have gotten the good one that uh, the dentist provided, or did you no. get you go through the cheap ones at Walmart. the store? I don't understand <laughs> how you can get one at Walmart for, for eight dollars, and then go to the dentist and it's four seventy five or something. Yeah, I mean I'm sure they're better, but that much better that much better it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> did you have any topics you wanted to talk about while while you're on here? Did you come with any ideas, or do you want to just well, bullshit?
2: Well, I'm passionate about surfing.
0: Oh yeah, I'd love
2: to and. Art and and culture. Um two more things. Culture up. in a really not necessarily uh how do I put it? I like to grow things. Oh you know? like um aquaculture. Mm-hmm. Or and
0: horticulture agriculture.
2: agriculture. Uh, and fermentation.
1: Another is kind of culture. The
2: <laughs> same thing, yeah. So bioculture. Mm-hmm. Not like uh just human culture. Yeah. You know, like travel and I mean, I love that, too. It's all mm-hmm. culture. It's all great. It is, but, <laughs> it is great. Uh, culturing things and their growth is a hobby and or a job at all times for me. How'd you get involved in
0: fermentation?
2: Uh, well, this lacto-fermentation, the sauerkraut and whatnot, kombucha. Um, that was a pretty recent development, pandemic oh. development. yeah. S- survival food. Yep. And, uh... As for alcoholic fermentations, I don't know. I've always thought it was kind of a magical concept. And then about when Matt and I started experimenting in like 2016, I think it was. That's when I started actually, you know, fermenting sugars. And,
0: and that's Matt now of yes. Adrift Distilleries. Distillers. Matt
2: now my old friend, companion...
0: Of the boys club. That's right. <laughs> and then some. Yeah, it seems like you guys have been paired for a while now. Yeah, we
2: can't it? really escape each other. Mm-hmm.
0: So much so that when I pictured a high school band, I put Matt Lessnow in the in the memory, I replaced Mikey Hewitt. <laughs> <laughs> and I said that to Matt on the podcast too. And he's like, no, no, I, I did not. And I was like, no, nah, you did. You did. I'm sure of it. Trumpet all the way. For years, I think.
2: <laughs> Maybe a little baritone. From time, yeah, to time. I did play the baritone. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I loved
0: it. Yeah, I switched from flute to baritone. Yeah, oh, it was yeah? quite a jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wasn't made for the flute. It yeah. didn't speak to me. Too much lung capacity? <laughs> I think more of it was uh, everyone calling me a fairy and uh, saying, you know, yeah, rude, uh, sexist remarks like, about...
2: You're probably not going to get braces until you're in your 30s. Exactly.
0: Making all these terrible choices.
2: <laughs> How do you, you just up... got to play what you want to play.
0: Yeah, you know, I was oh, always second guessing all my decisions about mm-hmm. things like that. I really should have just played the guitar. My mom plays guitar, and she used mm-hmm. to always try to get me to learn it. And because it was my mom, I was like, "No, nah, that's definitely lame. No one's ever going to get laid that way, <laughs> doing what their mom thinks is cool." <laughs> right? Um, I was wrong about that. Mm-hmm. Should have done it. Should have get, should have done it. Um, I almost asked you to bring your guitar.
2: Yeah, they are uh, convenient instruments, you know, and magical. Mm-hmm. That
0: time we were sitting, I think it was over at Eddie's in the garage, and you were uh, you're playing electric guitar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I um, remember
2: that. Yeah. I was
0: so transfixed, and you're you're playing Dire Straits, I think. And I was just like, "How the fuck yeah, is he doing a bunch this?" Of stuff. Yeah. I, I've been hanging out with this guy for months, and he's had this magic in his fingers all along.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Not just good for uh, spraying grass, you know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that was good too. It's nice to have people out there who can have a deep conversation. Totally. Some of the best out there in in the wild, in the mud flats. It's like, what a strange job.
2: Yep. I like telling people about it. Yeah, it's unique. It's like, yeah, I used to have to head out on an airboat every morning. It was really loud. Cracking Just hung on. That's it. <laughs> yeah. It's
0: someday I'll I'll write the book. But I'm not ready yet.
2: <laughs> I think
0: about it all the time. I, I've talked about it with Ed for years. Yeah, because um, Ed was my supervisor when I first started at the Refuge. Like my first month there, I was like, it was I was still technically in high school because we, me and Colton, got the job <clears throat> the it, during spring break is when uh-huh. the applications went out in our senior year of high school. So the federal government. Is that when it started? no there had been the program had been going for a few years they yeah. uh, so Spartan eradication was a major deal in the willapa Bay and it got funded from multiple different entities of mm-hmm. at every level state federal etc et and uh, all these landowners had to cooperate so it's it's a huge project that costs millions of dollars and they yeah. known worldwide yeah as as one of the most successful mass eradications in History, probably, if not the most successful. Mm-hmm. I always say that, but I haven't looked at the other ones. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And so <laughs> all this money got spent on staff and equipment, and most of it funneled into the Willapon National Wildlife Refuge. So they hired a giant staff <laughs> and they gave us <laughs> these boats mm-hmm. with Chevy 502s and 454s and Mounted big, up high. Yeah. Mount big mounted engines uh, <laughs> where we would, and we'd just rip. <laughs> And it was the most fun. I, I and can't, apply lots of herbicide. Oh, yeah. All day. I mean. Hundreds of gallons. My first year there, the technique was two sprayers, like human sprayers, mm-hmm. uh, each with a gun that would stand at the two front bow corners, holding on to a rail with one hand, holding that gun with the other hand, just whipping out the cam. And mm-hmm. uh, the driver would go up to a clone, which is like a big clump of grass. Spartina alterniflora is a grass. It's called... Cordgrass, most in most of the world, and he would circle it, pivot it, like, and we would just hose it. Depending, get it on... all, yeah, because they're round. Yeah, exactly. So you're basically doing like spinning cookies all day, if you know what that is. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a regional thing? Does do people in other places cut cookies or spin donuts? Donuts. Or they call them donuts. And... Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what you do all day, and you. By the end of the day, you're just exhausted from hanging on, and you're covered in chemicals. Blue, blue <laughs> chemicals. You're, you're blue faced and. <laughs> You're either in a state of rapture because you just had the best day of your life mm-hmm. or you're furious because you're with an idiot who sprays you in the face or <laughs> you're with a driver who doesn't know how to drive. or
2: you're, There are so many potential ways. To and just, you're working like 18 days in a row and you're getting Sometimes 12-hour days or more more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, when I was in there, you know, we were applying a gallon a day per person or less sometimes. Yeah.
0: That was honestly better.
2: It was pretty chill. Yeah. We just walked. The worst the worst part about the job was that at times it was just so boring. Tedious. Like looking for something for six hours and not finding it gets pretty boring. It's hard mentally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. We're trying our best here. I, I'm starting
0: to try to be okay with living my life in a somewhat non-traditional way mm-hmm. because the world's changing around us. We have no choice. We're, we're not going to be able to live the same anymore because the world's different. Yep. Like we're forced now to be more than one identity because everything we do is exposed. Like we're these uh, – we have to be multiple people and we've always had to be multiple people. But now
2: – It's more extreme now.
0: Yeah. Because now everyone can just look through the window of the internet and see all the different versions of Jacob Moore. Like mm-hmm. and when before you could keep your world kind of sectioned off. Holy shit, man! I see you got a monkey fist on your keychain. Yep, I have you the know where exact same one on my keychain. Greg, yeah, yeah, Captain Greg. <laughs> I've been talking with him this online. Mister
2: Overqualified, huh? Yeah,
0: for real. <laughs> I'm trying to get him on here. Yeah, yeah. oh, that'd
2: be a good one. He, he's got the voice tone and everything.
0: I know. I think I've I've thought since day one, and he's got to have some awesome stories. Oh man, Being that's a all he has. Ship or a supply vessel captain?
2: Yeah, in the Gulf. So qualified to drive a little airboat now and then. Yeah,
0: that was a fun summer. It was the waves. Yeah,
2: I like to talk about waves and stuff. Oh, waves.
0: waves. Yeah, dude, I like to talk about waves too, on almost like a nerdy level. There, um, mm-hmm. because they're, they're in, in everything, and yes. like even if you get down to a small enough level, um, like quantum waves, the mm-hmm. wave wave form and all that, really interesting shit. Um, anyway. I think waves are one of the dynamics, just one of the foundational. Structures of existence, is mm-hmm. the wave, the wave form.
2: Yeah. yeah, and a breaking water wave is a really special instance. It's a
0: wave affected by gravity and time.
2: Mm-hmm. And surfing is uh, interacting with that is intimately wavy. as you
0: really can. Screensaver with a bunch of cool looking waves just popped up as we're talking about it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it looks like uh, an atmospheric pressure chart. Yeah, it does. Which is what generates the ocean waves you know
0: yeah that's interesting like i didn't know how much specificity we have about describing a wave how yeah, you can label the earthquakes label it, and stuff yeah through a the life of a wave when it like feels bottom and changes and it sends the energy a different direction mm-hmm. and eventually
2: breaks yeah it starts to lose energy yeah due to drag the the more abruptly it loses energy the more powerful the wave is because it's releasing its energy in a shorter amount of time. Well when a wave releases its energy quickly, that's when it pitches a lip or like throws out okay. Hucks and forms a barrel or a void that you can theoretically be inside. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> if the wave is, if the wave is barreling, that means it's releasing its energy pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty powerful. A barreling wave is um, for experienced surfers only. Have you ever done one? Mm-hmm. It sounds fun. It for looks sure. It looks fun. Little terrifying. ones. Yeah. And I've been inside of larger barrels, but not made it out. Do we get that a lot here? Yeah. We do? Absolutely. Wow. The thing is, uh, you know, every piece of shoreline just about exposed to a large body of water, you know, Mediterranean Sea, Great Lakes included. Oh, wow. You will have days where you... Got good conditions, mm-hmm. um, and it's just a matter of how often that happens. Like in Hawaii, you got trade winds. The wind will blow in the same direction for weeks, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have uh, nice local weather and swells generated far, far away, thousands of miles away. Uh-huh, so they're nice, long waves. Yeah, they're, they're clean, they're refined. The further the waves travel, the more refined they get.
0: Like polishes it, it up? Kind of, in a way. Kind of, uh,
2: like the the noise uh, sort of settles out.
0: Yeah, the, the ocean in Hawaii is so much different than here, even though it's the same ocean.
2: Right. Yeah. Much deeper offshore. That's a huge one. We got this continental shelf out here, and, uh, you know, large swells feel the bottom at the continental shelf, and they lose energy for... Hundred and fifty miles, or whatever it is, that before they sense. get to shore in Hawaii, they don't lose anything; they just get there because it's a volcano. And sticking it's like out. wham. So, one foot swell with a fifteen-second interval is going to be for experienced surfers only. And in so, Hawaii. what are, what do those numbers mean? So, one foot is the the difference in elevation from the crest of an oscillating wave to the trough.
0: And this is before it breaks, measured before it starts to break? Right, measured by
2: a buoy out in deep water. The buoy goes up and down, and it measures that distance up and down, and then it averages it and makes trends and blah, blah, blah.
0: And how do you get this information? Um, The good
2: buoys are the NOAA data buoys, and that's all online. Cool. And then there's different websites that will take forecasts and real-time data and sort of... Process it for the surfer, Mm -hmm. Uh, but you got to take that with a grain of salt. You know, there's benefits with real time data versus the process stuff, and it'll probably get better and better as AI improves. It will, yeah, but at this point, you still got to be able to sort of read between the lines when you're making some calls because the surf just isn't very good around here very often. That's what I was getting at. There's places in Hawaii where the conditions are good all the time, so you can go surfing every day. But when you live here in Chinook, (laughs) from December, January, and February, uh, the amount of days that you can surf is pretty small. Really? Just because it's so huge all the time.
0: Yeah. So you're going to get
2: crushed? (laughs) Crushed. And we don't have breaks around here that can handle a ton of size. The bigger the wave, the more dangerous it is. So the more... uh, well, let's just say some breaks can handle size. Like a lot of reef breaks tend to tend to have a channel mm-hmm. adjacent to them, a deep spot where you can paddle out in safety. And when you uh-huh. want to catch a breaking wave, then you scoot out of the channel, oh, over to the the lineup, the break itself. But uh we don't have a whole lot of that around here. Like the sea the the cove and seaside's got a a channel, a rip,
0: and so you can kind of hang out there until the waves come in and well, that
2: that's what gets you out there uh, pretty comfortably. Oh, see, so it's probably save some energy that way too, huh? A lot of energy, yeah. But the the other side of the coin is that if you do get in the rip and it's too big for you, it's out of your league. Once you get out there, you're going to be you're in frowned. trouble. Cause you're going out, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the only way to get back in is to uh, get out in that surf and ride something in, huh? So you got to so know. So you got to trial by at. fire. Yeah, <laughs> and that's hard. It takes a while to to learn enough about a surf break to really know what you're looking at before you get in. Yeah, especially places like the cove where you end up being pretty far from shore once you're out there. Mm-hmm. In other words, the waves are far away when you're looking at them. And so they like, look small. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen very much anymore. Not a lot but of scale out there. In the either. first ten years of of my surfing pursuits. um, Many, many times I'd think, oh, this is going to be a blast. And I get in and I'm saying, oh, crap. Like, what was I thinking? Like, this is this is suicide. I have to get out of here. Like, uh-huh. I can't do this. <laughs> and a lot of the but breaks around it. here, uh, when, when they do get too big, no one's surfing them. It's not a matter of not having the guts necessarily. Like I said, we just don't have breaks around here that can handle a ton of size. Like, there's a lot of surfing that goes on that's out of my league. Especially I Especially down the coast, but... Have you ever gone to Hawaii and surfed out there?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It was pretty minimal. Really? Yeah. I was on... Was a nice little reef break, surfed a few days. I was on Oahu
0: during the eddy mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Holy shit, man. I've never seen anything like that. They were yeah, jumping big off wave skyscrapers. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. I didn't go to the actual thing, but I watched it on TV. Yeah. I just happened to be on the island at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um... Yeah, we were actually- at Those a... waves look like they're in slow motion, huh? Yeah, <laughs> and the people are just like a little speck. Just mm-hmm. like... It's, it's yeah. just insane.
2: It is. That's another level.
0: Yeah. yeah. Do you have any ambitions to be a surfer that can do something like that? No. You appreciate no. being alive?
2: Yeah, and, you know, it's it's a challenge for a lifetime, you know? And every surfer's on their own path is mm-hmm. as cheesy as that sounds. No, it doesn't and, sound cheesy. And and one path is is going big. Yeah. One of many paths, you know. Yeah. One of those other paths is
0: like learning how to surf with a bulldog. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. That's yeah. another path. <laughs> Don't
2: <laughs> there are many paths. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. And for me, a lot of it is the chase, you know. Especially what? around here, with the waves not being good very often. When you go to a place that, you know, most folks wouldn't even think you could surf, but you go at the right time and you get it that one, (laughs) one of five days out of the whole year that it's good. It's magic. It's like finding a unicorn. You must have to check often. Like, or you, you just, you're checking conditions often. Yeah. I check the conditions often. I don't physically check very often because I'm a dad too. And (laughs) you're busy when, yep, I'm busy. And when I go, I don't want to get skunked, you know? huh. I used to get skunked a lot more, but.
0: Yeah, that's I exactly say, how
2: I feel about mushroom picking.
0: Uh, I relate about it because mm-hmm. like you, your time is so precious. You're not going to yes. waste it driving to a place just to be disappointed in driving back. Mm-hmm. You want to go when you know you're going to hit.
2: And sometimes I'll uh, take a tiny detour just to collect some data. Uh-huh. It's like I want to, I'm definitely not surfing because I don't even have my gear, but I want to pull into this spot and Scouting. just see what it looks like because I haven't checked it on these conditions and I'm curious to see what happens when this is going on. Mm-hmm. What kind of board do you use? Um, I've got what you'd call a short board. It's a little thing that uh, needs a relatively powerful wave mm-hmm. uh, to work. So that seems like one you'd use for
0: like tricks. Or more more like fine turn performance. Ter- yes, exactly. Yep,
2: yep. Those boards allow that. Um if you want to uh get towards the barrel or ride really heavy waves, um, shortboards good because are they harder to learn? Yeah. That you basically like a... don't learn on a shortboard. Oh so you yeah. have to kind of work into it. But as uh, you improve yeah little tiny you you have a lot of control. You can stall really quickly, make little tiny uh adjustments or get the heck out of the way real quick mm-hmm. of the lip coming down. So if you you're don't want to come in a longboard.
0: yeah, oh, yeah, because it's like a driving a suburban mm-hmm. like you're just
2: cruising. Yeah, you get a bulldog on there. Um, like I said, the shortboard needs a powerful wave, and even if it's got some size but it's not very powerful, it's kind of mushy. Uh huh. You don't want to be on a shortboard because then you're just busting your ass, paddling like crazy. You know that's uh-huh. another thing. Now that I'm, well, thirty four today. Remember? Yeah. Happy birthday, man. <laughs> thanks, dude. Uh, I'm. I knew it was meant to be when you were like, "What about May 8th? I was like, "Sign me up." <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. Thanks this for my spending your birthday, birthday with me, man.
2: <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. I digress. Oh, now that I'm in my thirties, um if it isn't like nice and pumping and shortboard surf, I just ride my longboard. It's just oh, yeah. so much more fun because it's less work, especially if there's a crowd, you can scoot around and nab more waves that go uh-huh. on ridden. And you just have more fun. You get more surf. You spend more time surfing and less time floating chest deep in cold water. And waiting. Uh, yeah. I
0: remember when you guys started doing that in high school mm-hmm. uh, or the, when I first became aware of it in high school, yeah. I had grown up here and thought it was impossible to surf. I had heard so many people in my life talk about how, oh, you can't surf here.
2: Right. And then I just took And if, took if, it if you go be- in the water, you'll definitely yeah, risk dying. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and then all of a sudden you guys are all just like, no, yeah, you you
2: totally can. You just go out and do it. And no joke. When I bought my first board, my first wetsuit. My plan was to go down to Waikiki and catch these waves because I was sure they were surfable. Uh-huh. They weren't too small, you know? And everyone always said they were. Mm-hmm. But that's just the misconception, you know? Yeah. Knee-high waves are surfable. Well, skimboarding
0: was big. Mm-hmm. People, people had boogie boards. Boogie uh, but I never saw anybody surfing until I saw like you and um, the Skookum guys and uh, Scott and mm-hmm. then Nick Haldeman and all like a lot of people started doing it. But yeah. yeah, I think you were probably the first that I that I remember seeing out there. Yeah,
2: and what I was getting at is that I literally thought I was the first when I walked up to Waikiki to start this journey. <laughs> uh huh. I thought no one had ever done it before. I was like, no one's even ever surfed here. It still this seems is crazy, like that. but is I'm that gonna not do the it. case. No, people have been surfing there since like who knows when. Dep- yeah. it was heavy in the 90s. apparently. Really? Mm-hmm. I never knew. Yeah, that's but it because like it is. It an... It's a
0: little cove, funnels them right in there, and right? squeeze them down. Mm-hmm. Does that does that have
2: a pretty good effect? Um, the squeezing down can because you'll get to stand them up a little bit. A wave will wash in and then refract off of the jetty or the cape, mm-hmm. and that little wave is now traveling in a in a different direction because it's bounced off. And that meets up with the next wave in the set, and where they meet, you get constructive interference, and you get a peak, uh-huh. which is wh- where you want to take off. Oh, you okay,
0: peak. Oh, man, there were some storms this year. Hard to describe on a podcast. <laughs> this,
2: this last winter was record-breaking in the Pacific. North American big never wave seen surfing like was... It next level this really? last year Yep. I was going down to
0: Cape Disappointment to look at the waves pretty often mm-hmm. and there would be like 20 photographers down there yeah
2: that is getting very hot it was really <laughs> cool
0: and it was for good reason I couldn't like you can't take your eyes off it it's right. just like the biggest show and
2: sometimes it shakes the ground yeah you, know? you can nuts. feel it in
0: your car yeah <laughs> it's like holy shit that's a lot of power
2: yep and those waves are far away you know yeah so they're bigger than they look <laughs> yeah it's nuts. They're bigger than they look. Like once once you once you approach them, you're like, wow, this isn't just big. It's like, I think I'm going to die.
0: <laughs> get out. And you will. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, it, like if you don't know what you're doing, you sure as fuck will. Yeah.
2: It's amazing the perspective. It really yeah, is. Until you go out there time and time and time again, it's really you hard to, to know it. really know what's going on. Yeah. It doesn't feel like you're very far away, especially Waikiki. It's like, yeah. oh, look, the waves are right down there.
0: Yeah, when you're on the shore and you see people out there surfing and they're really small, you're like, oh, that is much further out than it looks. Right. The perspective is all messed up because behind it is the giant rock hill with the lighthouse and all that, if you're yeah. standing in the right spot. Or the
2: whole mouth of the Columbia. Exactly. You know? It's so, big. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you ever, have you ever, I'm sure you've been out there on the ocean.
2: Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, I rarely surf in the river. Yeah. Because the conditions have to be just right for that.
0: I mean like on a fishing boat or something. Have you ever been oh. out there in really high surf like uh to where you were actually a little bit scared? Like, no. Uh I, I've been out there once when it was big enough. I was just like standing out on the stern of the boat holding mm-hmm. on to the railing and watching this wall of water far above my head just chasing the boat. And we are just like going away from it. I was just – I, I'm so amazed by water and just by the amount of power that can be contained in a wave. Yeah, and the amount of mass that's just physically
2: yeah making it up. Exactly. Pretty cool. Makes you feel small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Riding a powerful wave makes you feel like a feather in the wind, and you're just, like, riding it. Like, this wave doesn't even know I'm here. I, it doesn't even know I'm here. I yeah. don't exist, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, waves are are entities, and... They're gonna roll in and break whether you're there or not. You know, mm-hmm. they're gonna break around whatever they hit. Yep, they're not and gonna it's, stop. It's up to the surfer to uh, find the waves, catch the waves, and then surf the waves. And a lot goes into the first three steps.
0: Yeah. Well, it's just like it's it's up to the musician to find the song and then sing it or play it. It's mm-hmm. like it's another art form. It's another way you have to tap into. Everything that is, like, existence. Yeah. Like,
2: like foraging for mushrooms. Uh-huh. You got
0: to find them. You got
2: to go find them. And there's always
0: a better one. (laughs) And to find them, you got to know where they like to grow. And you got to know what they like to eat. Mm -hmm. Like, that's something that, as I age, I'm realizing more and more, is there, you can take your attention and put it so many different places, and it's an investment. Because as you age, time pays off, and you start to realize, like, oh, where I put my attention matters so much, because Mm -hmm. I could spend... 10 years, you know, looking at where I think mushrooms are going to be. And eventually I get really fucking good at knowing where mushrooms grow. Yeah. Or. You develop like a sixth sense. Yeah. Or or you can put your attention on f- figuring out who's talking shit about you. Or mm-hmm. who has a nicer car. <laughs> or so many things that just, when get in your flesh and just distract you from what is really important. Which is like finding what makes you happy. Finding what makes you feel like a successful human. Mm-hmm. What else Indeed. are you into?
2: Well, let's see. I've always been really active, but. You look
0: great, man. I, was, I meant thanks. to say, you're aging like not at all. Thanks. <laughs> you thanks. look like you're still the same That's age as you did flattering. in high school.
2: Yeah. You uh, Are you working out? Mm-hmm. What are you yeah, doing for workouts? Regularly now. Nice. As opposed to like occasionally surfing and occasionally surfing like 40s in a row and then. Being all sore sore and and broken up. Yeah, because I'm not in shape for that sort of thing. Yeah, bad. Just more well-rounded, you know? Some strength training. I heard you've been over at the Casa de Hilton. Mm Mm-hmm. That's been nice. Yeah, that's that's
0: an intimidating place from time to time to be, to work out. It takes a lot of, like, motivation to get in there. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I was going there for a while at 5 in the morning, and I eventually had to stop. Pretty dark. How'd you end? Well, Uh, it was just that, like... (laughs) Uh, Jeff is just so far ahead of me physically mm-hmm. in in workouts that like if he's working out in there, either either he's in a great mood and he like wants to work out with me and and like I can't keep up and I'm feeling self conscious and I'm just like ugh I wish that I could just be stronger or him do his own thing like, right right I, it's the, I feel so weak and like such a little bitch uh, trying to lift with Jeff that it may, it like ruins
2: my workout right. Or puts a pin in you, kind of like, oh man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or he's in a bad mood, and I could tell he doesn't actually want me there, but he's too nice of a guy to say so. So he'll sure. he'll just like storm around and not look at me, and I'll just be like doing my curls and, is everything okay? <laughs> he's like, yeah, it's fine. And he'll just be over there screaming and throwing the weights at the ground and shit. It's like, oh, I'll see you later.
2: It's big. Yeah. We haven't, up... we haven't crossed paths very much. Oh, yeah. You know, I I he he calls me a ghost. Oh yeah, you, like, you're in and out. Zip zip.
0: <laughs> you ever leave him messages on the chalkboard? No. He likes that. I left a,
2: a little workout routine though, which oh, yeah. kind of counts. Yeah. Like, that hey, total guy did all this stuff. <laughs> uh huh. He does that. Uh-huh. Like, we get it, Jim. You have long workouts. <laughs> They're
0: insane. He's insanely strong though. He's getting he's getting big. He's a beast. We gotta start talking him into using some some steroids. <laughs> uh, get him on the TRT, maybe some Anivar. I don't know. We'll have to look into it, but we could make him into an Instagram phenom.
2: For sure. Make a whole bunch of money.
0: Yeah, exactly. Turn yeah. him into a marketing machine. <laughs> get on the Hilton train. Uh, he comes out with a protein shake and called Instant Thick. Yeah.
2: 30-day yeah. extreme transformation. Yeah.
0: He's an interesting
2: guy. You should you should try to spend some time talking with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, can tell I have. Him. I've made an effort, and I convinced him to roll down to... Shorty's the other day, and it was big. Short Sands Beach. Oh, yeah. The surf was pretty big. He went down and surfed? Yes.
1: No shit. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: How'd he do? Well, it was so big, we had to take the rip current out right along this giant landslide of car-sized boulders, which is a pretty safe rip, but if you're not paying attention, you can get kind of slapped by a wave and thrown on those rocks. So you gotta be able to, like, see what's coming and muscle through just a little bit. So... My surf partner, Stephen Wood, um I've surfed with Steven more than anybody else, like by far. We've just like always jived and we've got the same goals and we've been at it for, you know, a while now. But we we decided that we weren't going to try to paddle out mid beach, which is where the better waves were, because of the size. We're gonna go take the rip. Were they too big?
0: Or paddle size.
2: The size of the waves, yeah. Just paddling out through all of that oh. would have been uh, potentially impossible. And so we're going to walk to the far end of the beach and take the rip. And that's when I look over at Jeff and I'm like, so Steve and I are going to take the rip and I wouldn't advise you to... And before I could finish, he's like, I'm coming! <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, you're coming. And uh, we're paddling out and I keep looking back and he's, he's keeping up. Even Where did though, he get aboard? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a wave storm. What? He has One a surfboard? Yeah. Oh,
0: oh, it's a stand-up paddleboard.
2: No. Really? Yeah, it's... This is the Jeff I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have a wave storm too. I surf a lot. But uh, I made it out. I was on my shortboard, and I had to duck dive a few waves. And being on a longboard like Jeff, you kind of take those waves in the face. They slow you down more. And what's a duck dive? Duck dive is when you... You get up on your hands and one foot, and you stick your other foot way up in the air. Basically, get your body out of the water so your board sinks. Oh. You sink it with the nose pointing down a bit so that when the wave rolls over you, you kick the tail a little bit and bring the nose up and porpoise back to the surface. You go under the wave. Of course. How silly of me. Everyone knows what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I make it outside, and I turn around, and he's almost out. And I'm just like, man, he just... Like almost passed out? No, he's almost outside. He's almost made it out past (laughs) the breaking waves, which is where you want to be. He comes out and we're getting established and a set comes in and we dodge it and it's pretty heavy. You know, these are overhead waves. Oh my God. So they've got size. And uh, before I even catch a wave, you know, some sessions are an hour long and you only ride two waves. Before I catch one... This set that's considerably larger than anything we've seen is coming up. So I start paddling out to sea about as fast as I can. Because I don't want this thing to break before I'm past it. And I duck dive the first one. The next one is even larger. And my, it's not panic, but I start to think, oh no, this thing might come down. I might have to ditch my board and swim under it and get like, held down and pulled way inside and then I'd have to paddle back out. I'm just this is a big one that coming That sounds in. hard. It's <laughs> <That's> big. scary. <laughs> and and the harder you paddle, the more winded you get. Yeah. But so you want more paddle chances hard of so death. that you make it out. You want your yeah. it's like a game of chicken kind of. You want to make it out past that wave before it breaks, but the harder you paddle, the less air you got. So uh at that point I'm running. I'm running for it. And I look down The length of the wave at the peak where it's really big. And there's Jeff just (laughs) laying on his board. Just looking dead ahead with this chill look on his face, holding the rails. And the wave picked him up like this. And the lip hooked over his whole body and like (sighs) hid him inside the barrel (laughs) as the whole thing rolled over. I mean, it was a big wave. And he went down about the worst way you could go, you know Uh what I'm saying? (laughs) Aside from having some sort of impact. He got totally eaten alive. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, he corked right up to the surface and had the same look on his face. And he got back on his board. Like it was nothing, huh? And uh, came back out, eventually got pushed in, and he couldn't make it back out. But, yeah, it was no thing. He took the beating, and it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, he's pretty (laughs) tough. He's got a lot of
0: muscle to, you know, hydrate and oxygenate. Yeah, I imagine he gets winded a lot, much quicker than you. Probably. Yeah, especially uh, not being trained. He has surfed before, actually, now that I think about it. When he went to Hawaii, he was talking about going surfing.
2: Yes, where he did something even more crazy, I guess you could say, like Uh, paddling out at Waimea Bay, where they hold the Eddie Icowl. Oh. Yeah, and I think he did a similar thing. (laughs) Where this big wave just took him down. God bless him. Yep. (laughs) Oh yeah, he'll he'll try anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyway, yes, I'm I'm working on getting to know Jeff better.
0: Yeah, I think he appreciates it. Like he wants to build a community around fitness and health and all that stuff because it's it's where he finds a lot of uh, value in his own life. Mm-hmm. I think it's really
2: a healthy, a lot thing of positivity. Yeah. yeah,
0: and it, and he's good at it. He's naturally just kind of gifted about those things, and it's it's cool to see him kind of find something that he's into and. Kind of start to try and build
2: something. Totally. Like, the whole, he's been pretty Everybody active on social media and with that yeah, stuff. Yeah, all it's... of a sudden. Mm-hmm. I was in my front yard with Quincy, fiddling around with our garden. And someone's like, hey, Jake. And I look, and he's walking down the road. And I, I knew that he'd lived in town for a while, but just hadn't crossed paths. Yeah. And then it was like that night, he started following me on Instagram. So I look at his profile, and he's got like two posts of just like his barbell loaded up and stuff. And I'm like, oh, you know, I've been thinking I need to do some squats or something. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, he lives like that was it. a few blocks away from you.
2: Yep. I roll, my, roll down there on my bike and get a little workout in now and then.
0: He's got nice equipment too. Mm-hmm. I really like working out there. The only problem is that like when I was working out there, it was five in the morning. And so, because I got to go before work and it was there's no bathroom in there Mm -hmm. and so like Jeff texted me uh, about a month after I had stopped working out there so when I was there I would run into this dilemma Mm -hmm. where the nah fuck it I'm not gonna tell a story I don't wanna talk about shit I bought a camp toilet and put it on the roof up uh in there because I, I, I didn't want to wake everyone in their house up every time I had to take a shit <laughs> right, at five right. in the morning. Yeah. And uh, long story short, I feel you. <laughs> um one day when I was walking out of there with a bag of shit in my hand, there there's like him and his roommates were all standing around bullshit in the parking lot. So I like panicked and ran back into the gym and I, I hid the shit in in that big walk in freezer. <laughs> and then I, you know, I went on with my life. And uh, he <laughs>
2: went, went in there. I bet it was
0: horrible, that closed space. Yeah. yeah. I, I imagine so. It, not my finest moment. I wasn't proud of that. But he was He was uh, dumbfounded. And, <laughs> um, and I was really embarrassed. I haven't been back since. Oh, man. Poop is funny. Poop is funny. <laughs> and I thought it was funny at the time. But then I just forgot all about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm an absent-minded person. I always have been. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. I forget a lot of shit. Oh, yeah. Sorry about not telling you where this place
2: was. That's okay. It That's was a... quite the adventure of figuring it out, actually. Did you just start, start was, at your house? I was and just banging on your banging in-laws' on front every door. In between. No one came to the door. The Oh, at my in-laws down the road? Mm-hmm. Oh. I was like, oh, this is an ace in the hole. After a whole bunch of texting and being on Instagram and asking other people where you live, nobody responded. I started thinking maybe my phone was disconnected. Like, uh-huh. it was in its own little bubble. Like, not yeah, connected to the to rest of the world. But. Yeah. Like I know what I'll do. Just go to Carla's house. I'm surprised that didn't work. Yeah. I am sorry, I'm a nice that. dog in there.
0: Saying, I go hey. out of my way to like, oh, that dog is Pepper. She's adorable. <laughs> yeah. Very smart. I really like her. She was inviting. Uh she just went through her first period. Hmm. Yeah. You I ever had a, you ever had
2: a dog go through that? No, I've heard that it's kind of a uh
0: a deal. It's it's as much of a deal as when a human does it. Yeah. Um it you know, you know. but they run around and like So do humans, Jake. <laughs> True that. The world doesn't stop. <laughs> You've seen tampon commercials. They're out playing tennis. They're going for car rides totally. with their girlfriends. High They're diving. laughing. High diving, yeah, all of it. Pepper wasn't high diving, but she was walking around the house in doggy diapers. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, but I think we got off track there. What were we talking about before that? we started talking about dog administration? It was administration? an
2: adventure finding this place. And oh, that's right. And then I come to your house because it says your name yeah. on the building. And I knock like, on the front door. There's no door. furniture in there. <laughs> yeah, I knock on the door, and I wait, and I get my phone out, and I'm like, oh, still, nobody's texting me. I know where it is, but something must be going on. And then I look through your house, out the another window, and I see this nice shed in the back, and I'm like, well, the door's open. I left it open just in case. So I'm like, I see a bench in there. This must be Jeff's. So I come inside and say, yoo-hoo. Then I hear your tiny voice up here.
0: Yeah, I actually didn't think about that, but that's kind of funny because <laughs> you look through the, the living room windows and th- it's an empty room. The floor's torn out.
2: Mm-hmm. There's no furniture in the room. There's right. no TV. And I'm like, wait, do they live here right now? And I'm like, uh, Jeff posted that picture of his face all covered in drywall dust. He's yep. Like, they must be around here somewhere. Yep. I'm yeah. going to go
0: around the back. <laughs> that's the ticket. The funny thing is I am always really careful about sending – right when I make the uh, appointment for the interview, mm-hmm. I send out the text. that says, just to confirm – the time, blah blah blah. I'm not going to say the address because you only get to know it if you're on the podcast. And um, yeah, every time, but
2: every with, single time,
0: yeah. But with you, uh, we're both Chinookians, mm-hmm. and uh, we we bumped into each other on the beach. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and we made it unofficially. I didn't even I didn't even have my phone with me. Have you listened to any episodes? I have not. Did you didn't hear Matt's episode? No. Oh man, that's a good one. I, we talked about you a bunch. Oh really? It's a good thing you didn't hear it. This would be awkward. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I approached it a couple times, and I thought, you know, I'm going to go in there and talk with Jeff here pretty soon. And something about being totally fresh, fresh, was attractive. Yeah, it is. I intentionally. A couple people were like, "Well, do you do you know what?" You're gonna talk about like you don't need to. Are you gonna? Are you prepared? Or I was like, uh, no, I think I think he's just gonna take off and we'll we'll go with it. Jeff and I can talk for days. Exactly. We literally have like <laughs> yes. days um, and days. Yeah, it's, it's
0: not a problem. The <clears throat> I, I try to make every episode as different and unique to the guest as possible. Mm-hmm. It's which is really fun, but it also makes it really hard because some of the episodes are like. Heavier than others. For like sure. Colby Kirby came in here and we talked about washing your ass in the ocean. And, yes. and, uh, but then Mario Rodriguez came in here and we talked about how he's getting deported and he's looking for asylum and all this stuff. So it's just drastically different subject material. Mm-hmm. And very good. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yes. We're like digging <laughs> in to being humans. Yes. And it's a collaborative process that I get to do with people who I've already gotten to know and care about and also people that I'm just meeting and it's 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 enriched my life on multiple levels
2: I bet I think it's important to expose yourself to as many people as you can yeah me too because everyone's different yeah I feel like the less the less you experience those differences the worse off you're all gonna be Mm -hmm. yeah it's true and it's okay to be different it's even
0: okay to just... To it has just, to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but it doesn't have to be a conflict.
2: It can just be yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. If you're used to brushing up with and interacting with people that are different, much very different than you perhaps, uh, you get used to that. Yeah. But if you live in a, a situation where you don't get to experience that culture, that variety, then when you do come in contact with someone who's different, it can... Totally derailed you.
0: And yeah, you can react it like a knee jerk fear reaction.
2: Absolutely, out of discomfort. Right, just discomfort, anxiety. Like, yeah.
0: Uh, what do I do?
2: It happens a lot. Mm-hmm. It's easy, really easy to fall yeah, into. Yeah, it's like an exercise though. Like, yep. Lean into it. Talk with people that are different than you, and eventually you'll perhaps um, be less negative. Yeah. You know?
0: How are things, and we don't have to leave this in, but mm-hmm. how are things with you and Madeline and that relationship going? I imagine that's tough.
2: Yeah, it is tough. You know, we're both going through a lot of changes and, <clears throat> you know. Every, and you're, feel free to say, I don't want to talk about that. Everyone told me that it was going to get tough. You know what I mean? And it, at first it seemed like it would be uh, just a walk in the park. And then it became a lot of work, yeah. you could say. And, you know, when you're working hard and you are experiencing differences, it can get less friendly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've been there. Um, so, it kind of turned out the way a lot of folks told me it would. Isn't that weird how that happens?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and I didn't believe it at first, you know? No, why would you? It was like, no, I don't think so, Grandma. And she's yeah. like, well... It's probably gonna get pretty rough. What was her reasoning? Um, my grandma's reasoning for yeah. saying that,
0: or did well, she just mean marriage is rough? Oh, uh, divorce. Oh, divorce. Yeah, yeah. Oh, because it did it start pretty amicably or something, and yeah. Okay,
2: yeah. Um, but like I said, it becomes a lot of work. You know, our uh-huh. our divorce was pretty simple, relatively speaking. But there's a lot that goes into it. You know? Yeah,
0: and now you're you're co-parenting. Mm -hmm. And how's that going? Very well. I bet. Man, when I walked up and you and Quincy were on the swing sets at the park the other day, Mm -hmm. and she's like, hey, Jeff, it kind of tripped me out. (laughs) I was like, whoa. Not only, I mean, I knew she could talk because she's older than Amelia and Amelia can talk. But the fact that she knew my name and I, I, did you say my name to her as I was walking up?
2: I think so. Okay. I think so.
0: Uh, Because I didn't hear that at all. And I was just like, this girl's definitely on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, how do I'm you know? Really because sure I,
2: I, I don't, yeah, I don't know if you've
0: had, ever I've, met... I've met her twice, maybe. Um, yeah. and she was a baby, so mm-hmm. she definitely doesn't remember me from that. Then but, I must
2: have mentioned it. <laughs> um,
0: I was charmed. That little girl is adorable, man. Yeah, she
2: is. And, and she reminds me
0: so much of you and Madeline both.
2: Mm hmm. Cute. Yeah. And they just keep getting better and better. Yeah. yeah.
0: You, you guys get to spend a lot of time together. Mm hmm. Oh, that sea lion thing you posted
2: um, just today. Was that
0: here on Chinook Beach? Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Wow. Yeah, and then there was another one on uh, Short Sands Beach last night. So I saw two freshly dead, full-grown sea lions. Did they have bullet holes in them? The one on Chinook Beach did. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I used to find those. I didn't have a close look at the one at Shorty's. Yeah. We were looking at the waves.
0: That's a federal offense, right? I think so. I believe it is, even though it... The regulation with that is very messy, mm-hmm. but I don't know enough about it to really talk much on it, but I know it's, it's mismanaged pretty, pretty, pretty badly. Mm-hmm. Like, cause it's federally like with the Marine Mammal Protection Act, federally illegal to, to kill marine mammals. And then, but it, like they're overrun in, in these areas like Astoria, at East Mooring Basin and I'm totally. starting, I'm starting to see them all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, areas where I've, I've not usually seen them that much. Seen quite a few lately, last couple of years.
2: Yeah, it seems like some species are, you know, readily, populations are readily cold mm-hmm. and others not. Yeah, they're cool the animals. Mm hmm. I think they're all cool, but, you know, sometimes you manage a population, sometimes you don't. Think... And people argue about which way to go, I guess. Yeah, especially when there's the uh, prized salmon. Um, I am that farmer type, you know. I like to grow things. You're going to steward the land. Culture them. Yeah. But there's a lot that only nature can accomplish, you know.
0: So many variables to manage, too, that we are not always aware of.
2: Yeah. Agriculture is pretty crude. Yeah. Biologically speaking. So uh, I think it's got to be a balance of both, you know. I like the idea of leaving areas to do what they're going to do naturally. And obviously there are large areas. But um, they tend to do
0: good. They like, do. I've noticed yeah. a lot of the national parks don't have a lot of noxious weeds. It's balanced. Yeah, it's balanced. For and sure. I've noticed it a lot, of place, a lot of places where it's just areas that are big protective wilderness where there's not a lot of industry coming in and out they're they're not getting the same exposure to pests and mm-hmm. things like that.
2: More resilient ecosystem. Yeah. So yeah, we gotta do both and and take uh lessons from nature, you know, because the the system's so complicated that there's no way to control it. You gotta have some faith that there will be checks and balances in there sometimes.
0: Yeah. Probably the best uh teacher we could have to learn those lessons from nature is mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Did you see that movie uh, Fantastic Fungi? Yes, that we got the screening of yep. last year. Mm-hmm. That was a great flick.
2: It. Yeah, it uh, really broke it down to the the fundamental fact that uh, fungi is underrated. <laughs> yeah, and under our feet all the time. Mm-hmm. And in our noses right now. <clears throat> yeah, and everywhere in our guts and in that jar of kraut and which I'm gonna eat when you leave. Mm-hmm. And then I... you have more in your guts.
0: Yeah, I, it's. The whole thing is just cool to know how interconnected we are with the environment yeah. on on such a a really really small level. Like where, like how you get sick uh, if you just if you're going on vacation to another country. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first couple times you eat the food, you feel like shit, and then after that, you start to feel great, and you're like, oh shoot, I just didn't have the right stomach bugs to. To eat this food. Like you had to have sure. a crew in your stomach
2: to eat the food that you eat mm-hmm. so they can break it down into the component parts and put them where they need to go. Right. So arguably the best thing you can do when you go to a new place is eat the fermented stuff that's been fermented there. Yep. Because that's the, that's the local culture.
0: That's what I'm going to do the next time I get off a plane somewhere. I'm going to go straight to, like, the street food place and take a little tiny bite of all the fermented shit I can find.
2: <laughs> yeah, just inoculate yourself. There's fermented food in, like, every culture. Mm-hmm. It, and and it's Absolutely. I mean, yeah. It, it can be hard to find truly fresh food. Sterile. Or, yeah. I mean, when you pick a piece of fruit off of a tree a thousand miles in the middle of the jungle, it's covered in... Microbes.
0: The only time it's sterile is They're when just they waiting sterilize to it. get
2: into it, you know, like scratch the skin on this fruit so we can start to flourish. Yeah. As opposed it's the to the same just... on our skin. Mm-hmm.
0: That's why you gotta get those tetanus shots when you get poked by a nail. Mm-hmm. That tripped me out when I first learned that
2: poked by anything.
0: Yeah. The reason you gotta get a tetanus shot is not because there was tetanus on the nail that poked you, but because it was probably on your skin and the nail pushed it
2: in. Right. Like Isn't our skin amazing? It is incredible, and the membranes and stuff. I mean, we yeah. got gnarly stuff on us. Oh yeah, we're but,
0: fully loaded. <laughs>
2: but in not so much.
0: <laughs> yeah, in and on us, gnarly stuff like in terms of some pretty impressive foes that could just like fuck us up if it weren't for our natural defenses. Mm-hmm. But also Staff like and yeah, oh man, MRSA. When that was getting big, I was terrified. That was really gross because I was going to the gym a lot then. And one of my friends actually got it on his calf. Mm-hmm. Shadow Joe. <laughs> what? Shadow Joe, huh? Yeah. Oh, man. The, my uncle got it, too. Oh, I forgot about that. My uncle's thumb, for basically from his pointer finger mm-hmm. to his wrist, was blackish purple. And swollen up so big it looked like a bratwurst.
2: Oh, uh, dude.
0: You know what I mean? Those yes. In- infected.
2: <laughs> oh, man. And at the very center a of it.
0: bratwurst. Right at the, the little web uh-huh. between his pointer finger and thumb, there was a big... Looked like a, a zit, but like 10 times the size. Right. Just like a boil, festering purple boil full of pus and stuff. And I was like, where did you get that? What the fuck is on your hand? And apparently... He had been at the hospital because he like crashed on his bike or something.
2: Uh-huh. And, Broke his skin a little bit probably. Yeah.
0: And he got that at the hospital. It, and th- So he left way sicker than he went in. Oh, man. And um I had given him a ride there uh, a second time to get the same hospital to get treated for this infection on his hand, which later turned out to be MRSA. Mm-hmm. And as we're in there, I'm like. Trying to take a picture of his wound. And I noticed in the background of the picture, there is a bloody needle on the ground in this hospital room that somebody had at some point just dropped. And there's like splashes of blood on the ground. I was like, this is not a good hospital. We should definitely go
2: somewhere else. (laughs) Is it? I look down at my flip flops. Like, that's one thing I occasionally think about when I'm wearing flip flops. Stubbing my toe on a needle.
0: Oh, do you wear those at the Chinook Beach?
2: Yeah. You see needles
0: there often, right? I've never seen a needle on the beach. Next time you are there, just look at the ground. Okay. Because they're everywhere. I play this game with my Ugh. kids, find the needle, and you know whoever finds the first one, they get a lollipop. Wow. Um, and it's usually close to a tie because they're not hard to find. <laughs> it's A tie? Like, yeah. There are hundreds of needles out there. Wow, so
2: I've never seen one.
0: Yeah, it's you know the those like big ribbons of duff that are mm-hmm. just like straw and small sticks and dirt yeah. and all that stuff that come. High they, tide line. They lay sure. down and almost they almost look like a, a boom line. Hmm. Um. They're in that totally because um, they float with all yeah. that other stuff. <laughs> so every once in a while, just look for those little orange caps, mm-hmm. and you'll just see one jutting out. And yeah, dude, I've probably found a hundred needles down there. Wow. It's it's depressing. When I used to work down there looking for weeds, mm-hmm. I would find them all the time. I had to stop bringing Daisy down there because that's exactly the stuff she wants to walk in.
2: Right, and I was just worried she's going to get pricked. Right. Yeah, I run around down there with Quincy all the time.
0: Yep. Don't let her run through that stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's it's scary. Totally. People are fucking disgusting. <laughs> Working in natural resources, you start to realize how much of an impact the world's pieces of shit have. Because mm-hmm. they just dump piles of garbage wherever they can.
2: What else are you gonna do with it? Send it into space? You could. T- <sighs> yeah, I'm, I know that it's
0: a rhetorical question. I, <laughs> my rage almost made me answer it, <laughs> um, dude. I've I've been tempted to like start a program where I go into these piles of garbage that I find in the woods mm-hmm. and I try to find identifying information, which I already do, and mm-hmm. I save it. But I I'm just too. I'm against conflict. I don't want to start conflicts in my life. Dirty. But I have pictures of prescription bottles and bills from people who dump their trash in the woods like fucking animals. Yeah, and I at the with their names all over. Yeah, I know who the people are. I know where they live. Oh, I man. know. I have all their information because Bank. they're idiots and they just leave it in their fucking garbage. So uh, hey, if you're listening to this and you do that, you better fucking stop <laughs> because I'm going to get you in trouble. Uh, yeah, I'll tattle on you. I'll tell. <laughs> I'm telling, but I haven't yet. Spot on. Anyway, that's just my little rant. Mm-hmm. I, it really does bother me, man. Uh, it's yeah, the world is big, but it's not that big. We're gonna eventually fill it up with fucking garbage. Yeah, the Columbia River is big. Yeah, and you it holds can... a lot of needles. Mm-hmm. And we're at the end of it, so
2: yeah, everything that goes in kind of makes its way down here.
0: I have found remarkable shit out there in the Bay, the yeah. Baker's Bay. So Baker's Bay is a little, just a small bay. It's like six miles across, but it's right at the mouth of the Columbia River. So it just sucks everything that comes down the river. Purple loose stripe seeds, uh, outhouses, jugs of, of old waste. Giant like, bricks
2: of styrofoam.
0: Oh, a lot of those. Old docks, people's docks that have floated down the Columbia River. Like really bizarre stuff. And it's just all just piles up there year after year. And no one ever really does anything with it.
2: Yeah. We pulled a little bit out when my brother put together that cleanup. Do you remember that? I do.
0: I was on that.
2: Um, Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, That was cool. You uh, took Eddie and I back on the airboat. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But, yeah, when we got to, like, the south shore of the island and you started pushing back into the trees. You start to realize. There was so much... Styro back there. Yeah. Blackberries just growing right over the mm-hmm. top of it. Because it blows out of the water, up the beach, into the woods by the winter storms and stuff. Yeah. It's hidden yeah. back there. I hate Styrofoam. I don't like it either. I don't it... like Styrofoam coolers. I don't like stuff shipped yeah. in Styro coolers. I mean, you have to sometimes. Like, send a heart or whatever. Uh, yeah. A lot of oyster, a lot of shellfish get shipped in Styro. That's true. and uh, It's cheap. It's easy and it's to produce.
0: Cheap. Mm-hmm.
2: Not not easy to dispose of. Yeah, you go into a warehouse full of styro, though, and the air in there, you know... Really? Yeah. Just a bad smell? You probably shouldn't smell it. It smells kind of good. Oh. But it's one of those, like... Like a permanent marker. Wow, I'm really getting the permanent marker in this warehouse. (laughs) It is thick. Yeah. (laughs) All of this styro is just slowly breathing out. It's... Just off-gassing. Gnarly stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did you know that... I mean, I'm sure you did, but furniture... Not everybody knows this. Furniture, carpet, anything that is made of polymers, like plastic and or synthetic polymers and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, off gases for like two years. Yeah. So, like, you get a new couch. And that's
2: probably like the half-life or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. You get a new couch. Uh, you put a new flooring in your house. Like, anything like that. You're breathing in fumes that, that are- new car
2: smell, right? Yeah. Mmm. Mm, carcinogens. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I like sniffing new tires. Oh yeah, and I go into Les Schwab. And God, it, that's a good one. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I love that smell.
2: Actually, it's funny that you bring that New up. New shoes too. Yeah,
0: I like a lot of chemically smells. <laughs> uh, I like even... I
2: said, it smells good, but you know it's kind of bad.
0: Yeah, I like the smell of hair care products. My dad was always such uh, so sensitive to that stuff. Like mm-hmm. if my mom wore a perfume. Oh yeah, mine uh, too. No yeah. flowers
2: in the house. Oh really? Even <clears> flowers that I don't I think die. have a scent. You know? Yeah. It's...
0: Oh, he Super was a stickler sensible. about flowers, huh? Mm-hmm. Flowers without a scent, even.
2: Yeah, uh, I, uh, don't want to risk it. Yeah, I'm clouding up my vision. I gotta yeah. step outside. Get those out of here. That's
0: it's a it's a thing though. Like you get For allergies, sure. and your body just starts to shut down.
2: Oh yeah, I've seen my dad go from feeling great to looking like a mess in uh-huh. like two minutes. Nose know? running, sneezing, yeah, eyes watering. His, his face like, is. <laughs> Beat red. Yeah. You know, he looks like he's about to pop all of a sudden Poor guy. That's how my dad looked on
0: our way to church every week. <laughs> Cause my mom's hair spray and like, she was all this, the chemicals and stuff. And, and he, it was like a major conflict in their marriage for sure. Uh, because she had to look nice and he was dying. Um, so, but that got it in my head. Like that, that stuff was like, Forbidden, Like you were not to wear hair care products. Plus he called me a faggot if if I put gel in my hair, Uh, which also kind of gave me a bit of a complex about it. For sure. Um, (laughs) So now I like, if
2: I'm feeling like a bad boy, I'll throw a little gel in the hair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been using a tiny bit of product. (laughs) Yeah. I like your candle. Oh, thank you. I actually am really olfactory, I don't know, centric. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I'm into it. Like, I oh yeah, I, I like to smell Me stuff. Me too. Like from an early age, I don't know how many times I've been doing my thing, and someone's like, "Did you just sniff that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, this piece trying, of wood." You yes. to get to know it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's one of my
0: five senses. I'm gonna use it. Mm-hmm. Smelling wood is one of my favorite things to do. I I'll smell wood all day long. Yeah. Um, when I'm feeling blue, I'll just pull my truck over, break a branch off a tree, and throw it on the dash of my truck. For I real? Shit you not? Yeah, I really do this. <laughs> um if it's like a cedar or oh Mm, fuck if it's the right time of year oh man right time of year honeysuckles it'll just brighten my mood like no other i love the smell of honeysuckles Mm -hmm. i'll grab a whole handful if i'm running uh and they're growing alongside the road and i'll just get a fist of honeysuckles and (laughs) just for the energy (laughs) (laughs) i'll rub it all over my neck ah and i'm back back at it yes i love scent what's your favorite smells what are my favorite? What's your smells? favorite seasonal smells? Seasonal smells, shoot! The ocean always smells different. Oh man, Which it does. Is cool. What's your favorite season for ocean smell? Um,
2: I like a wintertime ocean. I think so too. Crisp. It's that's when it's the crispest. It smells uh, kind of like Dungeness crab. I love raw oysters. Oh, me and too. When you eat an oyster, you're kind of tasting the ocean at that season. Mm-hmm. And I love my depth of winter oysters.
0: Oh, like the flavor just has that clean finish. Yeah, Ugh. it's
2: almost fruity.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we used to eat a fair amount of oysters when we were working out in the bay. I remember oh, yeah. that. Um, the Were you there at the time when Eddie ate those ones that just picked up straight out of the mud? <laughs> mm. They weren't connected to anything, and he got real sick.
2: Mm. Yeah, A lot of oysters aren't connected.
0: I only but... eat the ones if I break them off something. I don't, oh, yeah. yeah, or I mean, unless they're like professionally grown, like the you. ones in the flip bags. Sure. Uh, my favorite are those little Shigokus, the mm. little, ra- they're almost polished looking tumbled. because they tumble. Yeah, yeah. heavily tumbled. So you spent some time working for the Oyster Growers Association. What was, yep. what was you want to talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah. My job was basically to coordinate the annual shrimp spraying program. The brewing shrimp are like the major pest to oyster culture. Could you explain a little bit about that? Yeah. They live in the substrate. They mine out the sand or the mud. And they push it out the top, and it makes this volcano-shaped bump on the surface. And there will just be thousands of them. Yeah, per square meter sometimes. So when you got them turning over the the substrate like that, they bury the oysters slowly by sending sediment up and simultaneously soften the substrate so the oysters start to sink a little bit as well. Eventually they they get buried and they suffocate and die. So people might not know much about oysters,
0: but they're filter feeders. So mm-hmm. they and they don't move. So they're they're yeah. stuck with whatever's around them, right? So if the that's right. The, air, the water around them is real full of sand and sediment. They can't filter it.
2: They, and they can't get escape. Up. They can't take refuge. They're at the mercy of their environment completely. So yeah, carbaryl is this gnarly insecticide that's pretty much. I think it's pretty much banned. Yeah, worldwide. I believe it is, It's known as Seven,
0: right? What yeah, was the trade name. I think you can still get it at Home Depot, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe in Oregon or something. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. It's it, gnarly. Yeah, you probably could still use it in gardens and on turf and things like that. It right, but I don't really know. Um, it kills bees. That's the reason. The reason it's yeah, invertebrates. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I know it's an excitotoxin.
2: is a neonicotinoid. Yeah, and a much which more is, mild one. Right. It's like an order of magnitude less. So while I was working for the Oyster Groves Association, they were 10 years into their, like, no, they were 12 years into their 10 year period of time during which they needed to find an alternative. Department of Ecology said, look, can't do this anymore, but we know we can't take it away without collapsing an economy. Collapsing this economy. So we'll give you 10 years, then an 11th, and then a 12th. And they were investigating imidacloprid, which is the most widely used insecticide, in the U.S. anyway, uh, banned in the EU.
0: And that's the stuff that most of us have on our pets, right?
2: Yes. Um, but it didn't really work. It wouldn't actually kill the burrowing shrimp, even if you dosed them with a thousand times the dose they'd ever get in the environment. But it would uh, put them into a state of tetany. And what is Tetany. Tetany is where you end up when you get tetanus. That's all your muscles kind of spasming. and you... Oh, so it's having some kind of excitotoxic effect. Mm-hmm. But not killing them? Not killing them. But they stop moving. So just torturing them, really. And their burrows will collapse when they don't keep the water moving through them. So they're basically stuck down in their burrows. it sounds tweaking, way less humane. And then the uh, the burrow collapses. So it's kind of effective in really sandy substrates because sand collapses, but the muddier substrate, which is more like gelatinous, it wouldn't collapse at all so it wouldn't you wouldn't kill anything <laughs> oh my God, and I didn't realize that, yeah, but basically, my job was to make sure the oyster growers and our subcontractors did everything in compliance with the plan that I put together that was. That DOE checked off on, so I make a plan. DOE says, "Yep, this meets all the requirements." Um, so with all the buffers and offsets and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and, the, and the monitoring schedule, timing. You wrote that plan, the schedule. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yep, uh, it was pretty much written when I started the job. Uh-huh. I be I more or less had to. I made some adjustments, but more or less just put in new data and a new like list of spray locations and times. Okay. Uh, so it was pretty straightforward to make a plan, but it took some time and a lot of phone calls. And that, that kind was, of stuff yeah. sucks. That's, yeah. that's I was the project work. coordinator, uh-huh. and the project was the annual spray program. Now, there are a whole bunch of other little things going on. and um, Did you have to work with uh, Zostera
0: Japonica, a Japanese eelgrass control at all, too? Yeah, that was becoming uh,
2: a hotter topic later on. I worked for the Growers Association for almost three years. And that was right after you left the refuge, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And that's a bigger issue for uh, Manila clam farmers. Oh, that's true, because they're growing a little higher in the intertidal zone, where the Japonica um, can totally dominate because it's not competing with the other eelgrass, Marina. Marina, that's right. Um, and the root, the root mat, you know, kind of drives out the clams. They don't grow very well they don't get as much water circulation so they don't get as much food so they grow warms slower warms the water too it holds the water a little bit mm-hmm. totally yeah
0: it's bad stuff and it's that's complicated too because it's uh it it can easily be growing in a really similar place with the marina which is a protected species mm-hmm. and other stuff is invasive and when they wrote the protective legislation it was written to just p- to protect eelgrass so it didn't specify and i'm pretty sure it's been in, it's been changed since then and and corrected to spe- to specify zostera japonica is mm-hmm. invasive Zostra marina is protected and necessary for fish and all that so
2: yeah it's a messy it situation yeah another situation where there's a variety of stakeholders and there's Potential money to be made. Yeah, and lost. And lost, absolutely.
0: What complicates it a lot also is like people forget that we don't all have the same goals or and we don't all have the same baselines. Mm-hmm. So a lot of natural resource management is just helping people to understand shifting baselines and the fact that what you think of as a natural state of an ecosystem or a habitat is not necessarily what so-and-so thinks of it as. or And, and like 100 years ago – that may have looked completely different and the goals that we have as a society and as a species have to align with what is available in nature. We might not be able to retrace our steps and get, like, for example, if we wanted to fix all of the the salmon runs by pulling out all the dams that we've put in, there's a very good chance that would not work because the conditions have changed since then. And there are so many Competing variables in in this massive system, that's very sensitive to all of them. Like every variable has a huge impact, whether it's water temperature being different a couple degrees, or you know competing species, or disease, or you know the the wild genetics mixing with farm genetics. And there's so many things,
2: and non point source pollution.
0: Yeah, uh, just the world has changed since those dams went in. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> removing them doesn't make it go back exactly necessary. and so to understand where we set those baselines matters mm-hmm. so much <clears throat> in terms of moving forward and having goals as as you know funding managers and as project managers for things like the burrowing shrimp program you're talking about or you know invasive species or agriculture any of these massive systems that kind of tap into nature you got to know where we're trying to go and you mm-hmm. got to know how if it's even possible to get there and and so many people get emotional about it before yep. they get practical and right. it's just it's a hard thing to deal with Yeah, we share it's, it. it
2: it's it's practical to take 20 acres and hit it with a mazamox and and kill the eelgrass and grow an awesome crop of clams you know mhm um but that grass is coming back yeah you know yep you will have, have to kill it again in 2 years if, so that's if if that's that. the baseline. It's like if you want to farm clams in those eutrophic rich areas, you have to be able to kill it like regularly. Yeah. And who knows? There, and there's no getting rid of it. Yeah,
0: exactly. And who, <laughs> who knows if eventually that species is going to develop tolerance, and eventually you're going to have to find a new tool, and mm-hmm. and you will. That's the thing is you will. Eventually, uh, life finds a way. Yep, as Jeff Goldblum. So profoundly said in Jurassic yes. Park,
2: <laughs> it sure does.
0: I bet you liked Jurassic Park when you were a kid, didn't you?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I like you. it a lot now too. It's pretty good. Yeah, but I remember there was kids, certain kids who just like. I mean, there was the Star Wars kids, and there was the Jurassic Park kids. That was a mm-hmm. type. And I, could, I just pegged you for a Jurassic Park guy. Were you? you were you into dinosaurs? Uh, yeah. What was your What, what was your kind dinosaur of guy? Or? Was I?
2: I don't know. I got into building stuff at a pretty early age. Really? Yeah. What did was your dad a builder? Mm-hmm. They build stuff. Yeah, and my dad's dad is was quite the builder. He still is, but
1: mm-hmm.
2: he here's a great example of what kind of builder he is. Uh, at the Smithsonian Institute, there's an exact replica of the Wright Flyer. Uh huh. And then two other aircraft that I can't name, but super early. And my grandfather and a team of a handful of other old guys. Uh, built those with period tools and period methods. Wow. Yeah. Where? Like in Wenatchee.
0: Okay. Did they have like a shop that they all shared or or they just Mm -hmm. like, was this a professional thing or they just did it for fun? Like hobbyists? It was
2: professional. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure how they got the gig exactly, but who paid (laughs) (laughs) them? I don't know. That's such a cool gig. Yep. Yeah. My my dad's side of the family has been in the aviation for quite a while. But my so, dad was the first one to get into it, which is weird. Oh really? He was like, I want a pilot's license when he was like seventeen. Uh-huh. And then uh his mother made a big career out of aviation and, and what was what was her job? I forget her title, but she uh she ended up retiring way up in management from uh Pangbourne International Airport. Okay. The airport in Wenatchee. Was she like an administrator
0: or something? hmm Okay. Yep. Cool. So what what did you go to college for? You went to UW, right? University of Washington?
2: Yep. I thought I wanted to be an engineer, so I did prereqs for engineering for about a year and a half. Got to Calculus 3 and was like, no, I got to the end of Calculus 2. And I was like, I don't want to do number (laughs) 3.
1: I don't think <laughs> I made it that far. Over.
2: I'm going to switch over to a Bachelor of Arts in uh, Environmental Studies. Oh, yeah, that's right. And that was a really new program. It was uh-huh. only like the third or fourth year at UW. Um, my class was 62 people. Wow, that's small for UW. Yeah. It's, I, I can only imagine what the classes are like now. Yeah, probably much bigger. Yeah. And I kind of focused on the ecology side of environmental issues, uh-huh. more of the scientific standpoint. Data collection and uh, you know data-based
0: decisions. That stuff's great. It's concrete, mm-hmm. even though it's it's fluid, it's dynamic because you're measuring systems that change every day. But the it's not quanti- so emotional, though. Yes, it's quantifiable. That's mm-hmm. so. I find so much security in quantifiable things, metrics that you can work with. Right. Yeah. Like, none of that. Like what is the
2: temperature like, of this? <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly. And oh, we can graph that. We can know what it was a year ago. Like. Stuff that you can you can build predictions on. You mm-hmm. can make models. You can build models. And there's it's just, I don't know. I'm comparing it to like psychology where you have measurable things too. But it, it, depend, it depends on what kind of psychology you're into. Like if you're a behaviorist who wants to measure what people do or if you're a cognitive psychologist who wants to measure how people think about things. And all of that requires really intrusive tools and like things that people don't always want to share. Mm-hmm. And then that taints the results. And there are just so many – there's so many more complicated things to factor in when you're dealing with humans. We lie yeah. and we we work in self-interest and and so consciously too. Yeah, it, without our own knowledge, we lie to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and that's just like I got. I want no part of that shit. <laughs> I don't want to work in this field. Yeah. So now I don't, and now I, I get to work in nature, and things are things are easier.
2: Yeah, and I am just making stuff, which I feel like is my my strong suit. That's a beautiful life, man. I think
0: if if the world was just full of people who made what they wanted to make, we mm-hmm. would have a lot of cool shit.
2: I find myself with cool shit like sauerkraut to just yeah, hand over to people. And it feels good. It feels great. I like to have you know, my trading stock basically. Uh-huh. It really comes in handy having an inventory of jewelry and shelf stable, well, Refrigerator shelf-stable goods.
0: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I bet you it'd be probably shelf-stable even without... In this climate, I bet you could last a long time and oh, right. just like buried in the ground.
2: <laughs> oh, totally. If it was cool, uh-huh. yeah, because it's still alive and the microbes are metabolizing what's in there. So eventually sauerkraut will get too old, you know? Yeah, and it gets, it gets squishy. It's, it's too...
0: I Too still eat it. I've still eaten a lot of mushy sauerkraut. Um, mm-hmm. I just ate some the other day. I was like 6 months old. <laughs> um, it was and it was from Costco. It wasn't like the fancy stuff, but it tasted fine. It was I I prefer a nice crunch. But I want to make some miso.
2: I've been talking about it for like a year.
0: I've heard about I've read about it but never even tasted
2: it. Yeah, never tasted miso? No. It's going to change your life, man. It's a so it's go a get fermented like, bean paste. Go get like 3 different misos. Okay. And I don't even know
0: how to use it. What do I do with miso?
2: Well, soup. I really like to scrape a little off with a knife and just eat it because it's like really salty and has a lot of flavor. And they vary. Is it made out widely. of beans? Mm-hmm. It's fermented beans, um, typically soybeans, but okay. it's not a requirement that they're soybeans. Um, and yeah, you can mix it with hot water and make miso soup. Uh-huh. That is. You That's know. it. Toss a little scallions on top. Uh huh. <laughs> and you're at the sushi joint, uh, but it just adds umami yeah. to stuff, richness. And it's probiotic and um, arguably one of the better probiotics for cancer prevention and stuff like that. And in some Asian cultures, gifting someone miso is, like, the greatest uh, gesture, like the The most powerful way to say to your health, you know, uh-huh. like I want you to live long and prosper. Take this miso. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It has to ferment for. It doesn't have to ferment for a year, but that's kind of the benchmark. Like wow. at least a year of fermentation. And do they?
0: Is it refrigerated? Is it is buried, like because I know I said the buried thing because I, I. There's heard an that's ideal how they do temperature kimchi.
2: range, but it's you know room tempish. Uh huh.
0: That scares a lot of white people. Mm-hmm, it does. It used to scare me. I, I was convinced that if you left food out uh, for more than four hours, you couldn't eat it anymore. Yeah, you're gonna die. I, I would eat. I eat a lot more now than I would eat then. My wife, sorry, babe, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you under the bus here. <laughs> she doesn't refrigerate jack shit. <laughs> never, never <laughs> wow. get sick. Never nice. get sick. I I'm baffled by it, but now I do it too, and I'm fine too.
2: Um, right. I realized pretty quickly that like that's nature kind of. Stabilizing the situation. Exactly. You know, the gnarly stuff comes from the very unnatural environments where yeah. food is the overly existing. stable
0: and like the factory farming. Actually, now that I think about it, it's not beef that she's leaving out, it's elk. It's mm. ground elk that we got straight from the woods.
2: Uh, and so And if it's not rancid, yeah. It's probably fine. Exactly. If it, it smells s- bad, don't eat it. That's yeah. that's what uh The master of fermentation says
0: your your nose is like a great judge. That's what I always tell my kids. Like, so we're redoing our kitchen. So Mm -hmm. right now it's it's been a very like scrounge type of meals. Um, like the our we had we're like oh crap we got to
2: eat some dinner. Hold on, let me scrape this together.
0: Or like the kids are like we're out of milk. I got there's some in in the in the spare fridge. We have an extra fridge in the garage. And then they like it's two weeks expired, but it's unopened. Like give it a smell it. That's it,
2: all there is to it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it, trust your nose. If it smells it's like that sickly sweet, don't drink it. I mean, unless you want to. Fuck, I don't care. It's your life. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't really
2: matter either. Like drinking some gone-off milk. Have you ever just
0: started chugging milk before you realized it was bad? Oh,
2: absolutely. Or I throw a bunch of half and half or straight up whipping cream in my coffee. It comes out and... Big blocks. Oh, and I'm halfway to work down the road when I take the first sip and it's just like, what? The-? It's
0: got a little stank on
2: it. Yeah. What's going on here? Take another sip. Yeah, definitely not drinking <laughs> any more of this. In fact, <laughs> I want to spit now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's and a that's weird... your nose know,
2: working for you, saying, don't drink this. It's not like you got a kid who opens the sour milk and is like, whatever, Yeah, I'm going to drink it. No. And if it if that kid does want
0: to drink it, he's probably got the right microbes for it. I'm not, who am I to judge? Totally,
2: but <laughs> yeah. cheese,
0: sour cream—it's all about yeah. the cultures, though. It's like
2: every food has its fermented form. You know, it's weird to me as pepperoni hell, like, sticks, like Slim Jims. Probably not a whole lot of natural fermentation going on there. Also gross, but that's where it came from. Yeah, it's fermented meat. Yeah,
0: like a uh, cured, cured meat, like those those uh, Italian dry salamis, mm-hmm. like stuff they... that mold grows on. Exactly, you know? it's, it's it's warm enough for mold to grow on it. Like, yeah. Yep. It's fermented. Did you know we have mold in our lungs? You probably have more than the average person from all that surfing. (laughs) Could be. (laughs) Um, I had a guest on here who was a commercial diver, Mm -hmm. and he had testicular cancer. Mm -hmm. And while he was getting... When they found that, they scanned his whole body, and they found a bunch of masses in his lungs, thinking that they were probably cancer. And they investigated further and found that it was actually big lumps of mold (laughs) and uh, told him that he has... Multiple times more mold in his lungs than the average human Wow But I found out that the average human has mold in our lungs I had no idea And not just like inhaling spores mold No, but but like like
2: mold colonies Colonies Growing in your your lungs Which makes sense Yeah We're surrounded by it There's fungi and bacteria living in just about every
0: environment Every environment that's 98 degrees And wet, wet, yeah, and
2: shielded from UV light. Don't mind if I do. Says the mold. (laughs) Yeah, like oh, empty space, ideal. Yeah. And
0: uh, I'll be honest. Every once in a while in my life, I've coughed up some stuff that was a questionable color, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm like, oh, I'm
2: dying. True that. But usually, when I'm sick, you know, yeah, it's just mucus. But when you
0: get one of those coughs, that's like you know it's coming from a corner back there that you haven't hit for a while. (laughs) One of the, like, give like you know, come cramp, on, come loose. It'll <laughs> give you a cramp in your ab and you have to, like, bend a weird way, but you ah, oh, you break it loose and you're just like,
2: oh, shit, that was in me? Interesting. I'll have to look that up. I'm sure there's photographs to see. Probably. Probably. But I don't have
0: any photographs of Cooper's lungs, but I wish I did. <laughs> that was a fun podcast. That's probably one of my favorite episodes. I'll remember that. Yeah. Do you remember Cooper Belial? He he went to school with us. Yes,
2: the name, but I can't picture the fella.
0: He's he was really super nice, kind of a goofball, and um, just like real easygoing. Mm-hmm. Um, he I grew up with them. And he came on and talked about surviving cancer and all that. It was a cool podcast. I had fun, yeah, but yeah, it was one of those ones. I look that,
2: forward to listening to it.
0: Yeah, man, you'll have to check him
2: out. Yeah, I have some work that uh, is good for the podcast that can be tuned in and out of. You know, uh huh, yeah. I have stopped. Like, listening this can be to... a little background for a little while. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ah, this is getting better. We got to start to focus. I'm going to pause this totally because I got to make some noise, talk to some people. I don't want to miss this. Well, yeah.
0: If you're if you're in public, you probably don't want to have this one on. just has ambient noise in the background. Mm, certainly. <laughs> we talk about some shit that you don't want just anybody to just oh, yeah. be like, oh, what's Jake listening to in his and place work? I, I don't work? even
2: listen to podcasts when the public's around. Yeah. It's before I open sort of thing. Oh, yeah. At yeah. work or whatever.
0: <laughs> I could just picture this at like a, a restaurant <laughs> or something. It's like, did he just – what What was that he just said? Yeah, no. Yeah. I'll play Joe Rogan sometimes when I'm at, at work in my office and um, I have to be real careful if anyone's coming because – They're – really just because it's bad language. It's not like Mm -hmm. they're saying horrible things, but just – Right. Just little – Yeah. The world's changing, though. It's not – the FCC is not in charge of what everyone hears anymore. It's like nobody's watching TV. Is it the FCC?
2: Yeah. Okay. The – The FCC won't let me Yeah,
0: That's that's what I thought. (laughs) I bet Eminem doesn't even care about the FCC anymore. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Podcasting has kind of changed the way that entertainment yeah.
2: works and memes. Yeah, oh, oh memes man. too.
0: Is the third
2: dimension, just poof.
0: Have you been following Dogecoin? The, no, the the meme cryptocurrency. No. So this is like there is a. It's bizarre, man. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. So um, Bitcoin came out in 2012, 11 or twelve, mm-hmm. and shortly after that, in like. 2015, I think, or 14, somewhere in there, these guys from Portland came out with Dogecoin, which is just like, this is when cryptocurrency was still brand new. So it was essentially what it is still now. But at the time, nobody had spent millions of dollars investing in it. So it was, they were like virtually worthless. Right. But it's just this medium. It's a dream. Yeah. Just, it's a toy. Uh, It's a medium of exchange uh, for digital value. And, but there was, none of that value had been staked yet. So it was at the time just like, Whatever. Mm-hmm. And that dog from all those memes that's like a Shibu Inu. For sure. Bonk. Yeah. Um, that dog was like the Doge dog, Dogecoin. And oh yes. So what they get they did, they took an old an old code for it was a bit it was one of the older Bitcoin. Uh, frameworks, like Mm -hmm. the code for the blockchain. And they just renamed it and made it Dogecoin. And it has since kind of blossomed into its own thing. And people started buying it. And then people like Elon Musk started pumping it. And uh, who's the other guy? He owns the Dallas Mavericks. He's a shark on Shark Tank. Uh, He's really cool. And he's ah, fuck, how do I not know his name? Mark Cuban. Uh, Two really, really rich and famous, powerful people who both are like Take it to the moon, Dogecoin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when that happened, all these retail investors who are just people like me, who are basically poor people who have a cell phone and uh, can spend ten dollars on a on a a risky venture, started buying this this fake money. Uh-huh. Just just this, this last couple of days, it was like seventy five cents. Right. So all the guys who put their stimulus checks into Dogecoin are now. Very, very, very wealthy. Crazy. But they better fucking sell because uh, it's going to crash like crazy. There, there, There's no cap. It's an uncapped currency. So they can continue to produce as many as they want and just inflate indefinitely. Wow. Much like another currency that we like so much, oh. the U.S. dollar. Yeah. But um, unlike something like Bitcoin, which is capped at 21 million, they're never going to make any more than that. So... Once those 21 million are mined, it's all just trades and it, the value will continue to rise. Wow. That's not something I have a good understanding of. It takes a lot of time because uh, mm-hmm. it's changed and it, more and more all the time because it's changing really fast. There's hundreds of coins now and hundreds and they're all set up for niche purposes. So like there's a coin for – there's this one called Mana that's uh, for this thing called Decentraland, which is like a video game. But I can buy Mana coin, which Mm -hmm. is a digital currency. Even though I've never been in the game, I don't have any interest in the game. It's almost as if they took Super Mario and Nintendo says, all right, now anybody can just buy these coins. The coins that you get in Mario where, you know, you get 100 coins, you get a free life, Mm -hmm. a mushroom pops out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Now you and me can just buy these coins and we can trade them. And you can come over and, you know... Fix my toilet, and I'll pay you in Mario coins. That's that's the reality now. They're, right, they're turning these digital assets into real life assets. And a
2: little piece of paper isn't much different than it's no person.
0: different, right? And it's actually less secure because there's a centralized entity controlling it called the Fed. Mm-hmm. And and they're, it, it's a private enterprise that that's made up of these really rich people, and they have all this massive control over our economic structure. Mm-hmm. It's not democratic. It's really, it's really an oligarchy. Mm-hmm. Is that the right word? Um, um, oligarchy is like a family. Well, then it might be that kind of. If the Illuminati's real, I don't know The yeah. Rothschilds and all that. It, whatever it is, it's beyond I was in me. Case of being part of one once, and I looked it up, and that's I so flattering.
2: Like, well, I don't think so.
0: <laughs> I would take that as a huge it's compliment. A oyster oligarchy. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. there. That almost seems like it fits. That's old money. Those are old families in the oyster industry. Mm -hmm. They've been at it for a long time.
2: Yeah. And they don't get along at all. They feud. But they all want to kill a growing shrimp. Yeah. They (laughs) unite against their common enemy. That's right. And they
0: hire one person, which was me. Yeah. And you didn't get it done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I Yeah. No one will but... ever get it done, man. That's not happening. That, no, is and that that's ship not the has goal. sailed. Yeah. That's not the goal. It's a management program. You yep. got that done. Mm-hmm. The the, the shrimp were at bay. <laughs> while they're on bay. In bay. In bay. <laughs> Probably not ever gonna be fixed. Some of yeah. these
2: changes are permanent. Mm-hmm. Burrowing shrimp are native. Yeah. Like some people argue that the populations of like, grown too much, so they should be killed off, kind of like sea lions, you know? Yeah, exactly. But no one started collecting data until, like, 1995. Yeah. And it seems like every six to ten years, there's a big boom, and then they kind of go down. It goes all over the place. No one understands the trends, But we- they are native, and some oyster beds tend to get more yeah. than others.
0: Did Did you ever deal with the mud shrimp? Too because I know there's the sand shrimp, which are the ghost shrimp, and the mud yeah. shrimp are like a little hardier, right?
2: Yeah, they're they have a different burrow structure and they tend to live in the siltier substrates. Okay, but at first glance, they look kind of the same a little bigger, a little bigger, a little browner, a little yeah. less cave dweller translucency. That's kind of cool. The, mm-hmm. the fact that you
0: can see through the ghost shrimp, mm hmm. It's like, okay, these things don't get a lot of sunlight. <laughs> no, they stay down
2: in there. Yeah. the mud shrimp come out and walk around more. Yeah. That's probably why, I guess.
0: Yeah, I had a job filming shrimp as like a research assistant. Mm-hmm. That was when I was with Kim Patton at WSU Long Beach. Nice. We had to go out um, at the t- whenever the tide was right and film these little motherfuckers in their burrows. <laughs> <laughs> Did you stick a camera down in the burrow? Yeah. Or uh, we wow. had built these viewing contraptions. Basically, took a barrel, like a sixty-gallon barrel, cut it in half lengthwise, put a plexiglass barrier. Um, to where, and then buried it in the mud, and let the shrimp build burrows right up next to the glass.
2: Oh, for sure, in the barrel, like an
0: ant farm, just like an ant farm. And then we would come with this long, uh, fiber optic camera on the end of a long PVC pole, and so we had to do high it tide, both. So both. we had to do it at high tide and low. We had to take data at all times a day and measure where they were in the burrows at different times a day. It was
2: tedious. Oh my God, beyond belief. You collect like 1% of the data and you're like, all right, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like, oh, we just started. I do not want to do this for another several weeks. I actually,
0: I I saw the value in it. So I Mm -hmm. I found it it wasn't super hard for me to do
2: just because it made me feel important. Different projects though. Yeah. Some data collection is just... (laughs)
0: Oh, God. What got me was sediment, Uh, doing sediment samples, taking Mm -hmm. mud from this because we had to analyze the sediment. I had to take these sifting devices, which was like a Pringles can with different layers of screens in it. And I'd put the sample at the top screen Mm -hmm. and then sit there and shake that bitch for hours until it all made it through to the very bottom screen. And the bottom one was like... You couldn't even see through it. It was like a piece of, uh, of like, tent material. Right. It was such a fine screen. Mm-hmm. It's just for, like, getting the little bit of dust. But if Jeez. I didn't get something through it.
2: You need a machine to jiggle that thing for a couple hours.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, th- dude, there was, I was the machine. Yep. That was my job. I was there to carry heavy things and shake the fuck out of that little sifter Pringle can. <laughs> and I did it for hours and hours and hours. Ugh. Yeah. Some jobs, though, you just do what you got to do. Yep. What What's the most tedious job you've ever
2: had? The most tedious job? Some of those days looking for Spartina were pretty tedious. And that
0: was back when they still could find it.
2: Mm-hmm. I feel bad for them now. Let's see. I've done some data collection that's pretty darn te- tedious. Anything too tedious, though, I think I naturally just kind of find a way to kind of not do it. Your manager. <laughs> that guy Jacob, he's got
0: management written all over him. <laughs> It's true, though, actually. Like you, I remember- Or being, make a
2: machine to do this tedious job, you know? Like shake the pringles. Yep, you're an engineer. <laughs>
0: yep. Solve a problem with ingenuity. I remember being jealous when you got that oyster job. It, you fit in well. I heard good stuff about you from lots of different people. Yeah. It was, It was, you, made a, you made a good impression on people. They were bummed when you yeah, left. Yeah, they were. That little subculture of uh, Pacific County, like fish- slash natural resources type people Mm -hmm. um that was a group i didn't really penetrate until i started working in the bay Uh and and really getting to know the area there's so many smart people around here they just keep quiet you don't. you don't they're not what people talk about when they think about like the coast but right um, right right yeah there's a lot more unique people out here than i would have thought
2: Mm -hmm. and a lot of them
0: studying on their own time yeah exactly people who know a lot of very uh Niche information. Mm -hmm. I have a paranoia about using a word too many times if it's not a word that other people use a lot. Mm. Because, like, niche is a perfect example. I just learned how to say that word properly like last week. Nice. And I've well, you're working it out. Yeah. Okay, so I'm close. I'm close to knowing how to say it properly. (laughs) (laughs) Some words you just if you drop them in more than once, you're an asshole for some reason, or at least pretentious. Or maybe, yeah, yeah.
2: You read any good books lately? No. You, do you read much? <laughs> uh, I've gone in and out of reading some. I don't read with my eyeballs at all. But. Too, I, it takes
0: too long. It's too hard. I listen. I listen to my books. I, I love it when I do, though. Like,
2: yeah. You feel all smart. Well, it. Like old time. It works out part of a different part of my brain. Like, I feel, first of all, reading gets easier and yeah. more accurate. And then. It has an effect on not only my speech, but I feel like the way I think, too. 100%. So I've been journaling, which is along the same lines. It's really good for you. For the first time, like, ever in my life. Oh, really? Yeah. What kind of stuff do you write about? I write about, um, well, what I do in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, I write about what Quincy and I do. I write about um, successes. Failures. So you're narrativizing your, your life. Yeah. And, uh, but it's pretty succinct. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes it's just like 12 bullet points that uh, exist in previous days, of course, you know, so they mm-hmm. carry over. I write a lot about emotions. Um, about a year ago, I started studying meditation and practicing meditation. And, all oh, right, on. let's get into that. The big takeaway for me is. The, when you can observe your emotion. Mindfulness. It changes the whole game. To yeah. create that separation. hmm Where you're almost like outside your body. Yeah. And, and accepting that your emotions are not you, that they are something that your body sends you to consider. Yes. And to act on if you want. Yes. And we forget we have a choice. Exactly. So, writing down those emotions just helps with the mindfulness process, you know? How'd you fall into this? Um, my brother turned me onto it during the pandemic. He was like, So, I got this app called Headspace and it taught me what meditation is. I had no idea that it was so simple. Yeah. Such a simple exercise slash practice. And I was like, Cool. He goes, I've got, uh, you know, some promotional thing that'll get you started for free for X months or whatever. You want it? And I said, sure. And it was a game changer. Do you still do Headspace? Very rarely. Uh-huh. But I, I, I found... meditate on my own, you know. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot more to get yeah, from us. it. But I, I've i kind of phased out of using it.
0: I found that Headspace, I, that's one of the things that solidified my practice was mm-hmm. headspace cuz i i started meditating when i was around 20 mm-hmm. and then i found headspace when i was around 26 27 mm-hmm. so i'd been doing it for a long time and kind of struggling uh, to find a groove mm-hmm. and i like i had i had touched on it like i'd i had hit that that point a few times where you're like oh this is it this is that place that i've been trying to get to right. cuz i'd read a lot of stuff about it and a lot of the older more kind of almost religious stuff, Mm -hmm. more spiritual based like stuff that has to do with chakras and energies and all that stuff. I love that shit. Mm -hmm. I think that's an ancient wisdom that's meant to understand things through a historical context, like in an older time when we didn't have the scientific explanations that we do now, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean we we have to throw that stuff out because we can explain it now in a different way. Totally. I really believe that energy and we touched on it with waves. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a communication system, and it's also like uh, uh, how the universe is assembled, just it, through energy. We're all mm-hmm. made of energy. We're all exchanging energy all the time, right? So, and there's no
2: escaping it.
0: No, so I see. There's no reason why those those systems where it channels the energy through you mm-hmm. as a, as a animate being.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think they're real. And, uh, but that kind of stuff had been almost a little too lofty for me to really dig into and get my teeth into. Right. uh, Because it didn't, it just felt a little bit disconnected from my life, my experience. Mm -hmm. Especially as grown up Christian and being worried all the time that I was going to go to hell for (laughs) meditating on uh, some like, oh, what if I accidentally uh, worship an idol? (laughs) 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 I'm paranoid about that shit. But as I'm staring at this little Buddha statue in front of me. (laughs) But Yeah. The headspace. headspace broke
2: it down exactly to to an exercise, you know, like exactly kind of like working out your muscles.
0: Yeah, you
2: and- train your muscles, you train your body, you can train your mind too. Exactly, or you can let your mind just be a wild animal. <laughs> how did you? How did it go
0: for you in the first in the beginning? Did you feel like a wild animal trying to sit there and focus? Well, <clears throat>
2: I loved the way that it led you in to the journey. It's called, you know, yeah. Like the first meditations are like. Sixty seconds to three minutes long. If you start at the beginning of the basics, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so my hand was kind of
0: held. That is really nice, mm-hmm. and it kind of eliminates some of that fear of being a weirdo
2: because mm-hmm. you're like, this isn't really or weird. Meditating wrong, like that's yeah. a common issue for people is that they they are worried about meditating the wrong way. And, and you if really you're can't. worrying about doing something, then you're not meditating. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you, it's about. Um, Just kind of stepping back and strictly observing for a period of time. With genuine curiosity. Yep. That was a phrase that got me. Yep. The beginner's mind. And you will naturally want to reach out and engage with these things. And inevitably, you will. And it's at that point that you cycle back. Just take a step back. And that's the training. So that when you are going through your day and something inflammatory falls in your lap and you physically feel your body changing, your flesh is reacting. Yes, you are your 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 heart rate is changing, the way your breathing's changing, you can feel heat on your face, you can feel adrenaline in your chest or whatever. Yeah. All of these sensations are happening, not to mention things are going on in your mind simultaneously. Yeah. If you train your mind, then in those moments you can simply observe all those sensations and know that they are just welling up and they're going to well back down. And I find when all those things well up, I don't make decisions during that period. Of yeah. Time. Some just, people will try to force you to. I like, no, we needed
0: to talk about this. Yep.
2: Wait, because my body's kind of screwed up right now. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's dealing with a whole bunch of stuff. There's stuff washing over me. You yeah. Know? I'm dealing with a
0: thousand years of, of training here. Mm-hmm.
2: So hold on. Those things calm back down. Then I make the decision. Even even sometimes I'll be in a emotional state, whatever emotion that might be, and I'll think to myself, I know what I want to do. Yeah, I'm so confident. I've got the decision already made. I'll stop and say, yes, it makes perfect sense right now, but let's just give it a day so that we're not in this state and just double check then. And if and it's lot right... Yeah, if it's right, it's right. It'll still be right. But a lot of times they'll be like, you know, I'm really glad I waited because I'm going to do it just a little different. Yeah, You know? Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to word it different. that way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or, or, totally. I'm not going to twist the knife on that one like right. I might have. hmm Yeah. Dude, uh, I know exactly what you so. mean. And that's what the meditation practice is all about. It's, it's a to practice being able to recognize that moment when you have a choice. Right. Instead of just when you're in it so much, when you're just, especially if it's anger. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or where you've been wronged or somebody did something and you're trying to just control Because yeah. it situation. can be
2: positive emotion. Yeah. Intense positive emotion will make, lead bad you to make bad too. decisions. You can sign up for something that later you're like, darn, yeah. wish I wouldn't have done that. You know, I was just so <clears throat> Marriages and everything else. Mm-hmm. And it can <laughs> also be anger and yeah. bad, the bad side of things.
0: Any kind of impulsive decision that is something that could last the rest of your life, you should probably mm-hmm. make
2: and it when you're not. And if you're in you're not... an emotional state,
0: yeah. then...
2: You're not thinking clearly.
0: I said the marriage thing (laughs) because like so many people can relate to that. How Mm -hmm. many people uh, who are just our age have one or two divorces under their belt? A lot.
2: It's starting to seem like a lot.
0: Yeah. And it's because you're on a drug when you're like falling in love with somebody new for the first time. It's like... Yeah, that's
2: a potent one. That's a potent emotion.
0: Yeah, it is. (laughs) And meditation would even help in that situation because I don't know, some people don't want because it almost de-romanticizes things Mm -hmm. when you think about like I'm on a drug here, so I'm not going to make any rash decisions. And I think people probably in the dating world come to terms with that at, as they age. But when you're young, like, you want to be able to ride that roller coaster and totally. kind of just you like. You want
2: to fall in love. Yeah.
0: Not and step into it. <laughs> yeah. To put a toe in. It's yeah. like you're diving in. And it's yeah. dangerous as fuck. There's sharks in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We all got to do that and figure it out for ourselves. Are you going to try to get back out there
2: dating? Definitely. Yep. Um, and it's been something that at times I have thought to myself, like, what are you doing, man? Like, you got to put yourself out there. Like, make something happen, you know? Get something going on. Something. Mm-hmm. Anything whatsoever. Like, a walk on the beach. And it's in those moments that I stop and I'm mindful of this pressure I'm feeling. Where'd this pressure come from? Is yeah. someone pushing me? No. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's your impending death. Yeah, it's mortality. Totally, and that's when I realized that I've got my hands pretty full right now, and it's not yeah. At your all life a priority. is very rich. Yeah, there's no. It's it's not a priority at all. Yeah, whatsoever.
0: Especially, man, you got one very special lady in your life who takes a lot of your time and attention.
1: Mm-hmm,
2: yep, and, and she's more
0: important than anyone else. Oh
2: yeah, and she's everything I do is for her. Ultimately, yeah, you know, yeah. If yeah, I totally When know. I start dating someone, it's, in a way, going to be for her. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, you're going to have to pick somebody who's who's in love with her, too. It has to be there. Yep. It, otherwise, it's
2: not going to go well. No way. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people have made that mistake. So, so, moving forward, like, I'd say in the last month, maybe, I've started to feel more in-tuned. Uh-huh. With the ladies, shall we say? hmm Like... My eyes are starting to open a little bit, and I'm starting to think about it more. Yeah. And I'm, I don't know, I'm really happy with how I've been able to ride out a lot of change in the last seven months. I'll be honest, man, you seem really solid. Thanks. I I didn't
0: know what to expect just because we haven't had a time to connect for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And I know that you've gone through a lot in that, in the interim. Yeah. Um, But you seem very, very on top of your game. Thank you. When you said it's the meditation been... thing, I was like, makes nice. sense. Makes sense.
2: <laughs> well, I can honestly say that I haven't been this physically or mentally healthy, like maybe even ever in my entire uh-huh. life. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is w- really strange,
0: <laughs> but I'm going to say it anyway because it's it's it just popped into my head. Mm-hmm. But um, so like maybe... 2017. Melissa had a dream. Uh-huh. She'll probably be pissed at me for telling you this, uh-huh. but she had a dream that you had fallen into a horrible alcoholism, mm-hmm. and that she, and it was destroying your life. Mm-hmm. That was the gist of the dream, and that zero to base it off of, completely random. Uh-huh. But um, just I have to know. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a had an alcoholism where that, that threatened your life, where it was like you know that, anything that scared you. Was her dream prophetic? Yeah, I'd say so. Really? Mm-hmm. I would not have guessed that.
2: Yeah, I've I've gone through periods of time where alcohol has just been a monkey on my back, you know? I did not know that. Yeah, it's some it's something that uh taught me a lot, in a way. Do you drink now? Um, very little. Really? Uh, yeah. Especially in the last seven months. Like I don't know. I feel like I've just sorta of outgrown it uh-huh at least drinking yeah. the way i used to like uh, for me there's just so much uh to be enjoyed that you can't enjoy it while makes you feel like shit yeah. <laughs> i don't work out uh-huh when i'm drinking because you know? feel like shit
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, it, i agree yep I struggled with that some somewhat in Matt's episode because mm-hmm. like you guys legitimately make an awesome product. Yeah. I, I'm super impressed. Thanks. Um, I, Thanks. I'm not a person who loves alcohol, mm-hmm. and I that Enjoy though. drinking that stuff straight.
2: <laughs> straight,
0: <laughs> it's so good. And the coffee liqueur also. The whiskey mm-hmm. I tried. Um, the even even the gin, which I've never even had before. Yeah. Um, I was I was supremely impressed with mm-hmm. your products, but um, at the same time I was like. I'm not a proponent of alcohol, uh, mm-hmm. in in terms of like the way, it, at least on a on a societal scale, the way it is so just accepted universally. Absolutely. Compared to other drugs that mm-hmm. are just universally just hated, right? I do not agree with that. I think each one of them has its own use cases that are good and its right. own use cases that are damaging. But well, um, our
2: our culture says have alcohol there all the
0: time. Yeah. It should be available for adults, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And it should be. I, I agree with that. But I think other stuff should be too under under the right kind of safe circumstances. Right. And I think there needs to be a hell of a lot more education surrounding all different types of chemicals that that we're going to choose to imbibe in or not. It's, it's tricky. But, yeah. I commend you for being able to not be a drinker and being surrounded by
2: some of the best alcohol I've ever had. Thanks. Thanks. It's uh, a <laughs> – I, it's just another thing I make really, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. That's like, cool, man. I don't have a sauerkraut eating problem. Yeah. But I make a lot of sauerkraut. How much sauerkraut do you eat? <laughs> uh, It's kind of dropped off lately, but, uh, you know, at least every few days I consume some.
0: Yeah. And sometimes it's every day. Do you notice? Do you feel better when you're eating a lot of fermented foods. Like, I feel.
2: I I think so. I mean, I can't tell if it's a placebo or I what. I tend to dump it on raw stuff, uh-huh. like raw greens, and help digest it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to
0: just eat sauerkraut straight. Me too. When, when I'm just like really needing it's some a, nutrients. Yeah,
2: and some sodium. If yeah, I need sodium. It's just,
0: it tastes so good. Straight it's at almost it. as like it, it's <laughs> almost like drinking a Gatorade. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like the oh, you get to the juice at the bottom. Oh, and it's just
2: like. There's no one around. I'm drinking all this. It's so quenching. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of quenching, is there any chance I could take a break? And yeah, dude, key? I think we
0: actually gotta wrap it up. It, okay. We've been here for two and a half hours. Right on. Time flies. Um so yeah, we'll just we'll just try to call it good. But um do you have any closing thoughts you wanna hit before
2: we're out of here? I don't think so. I'm glad we got kind of all over the place and
0: this went by way too fast, man. This mm-hmm. was this was super easy. This one, um, <laughs>
2: sweet. You no come prep. back.
0: Come back soon. I'd love to. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. It has been a pleasure. I and appreciate
2: it as well. Really been looking forward to it, and
0: it came up quick. It really did. <laughs> they always do. Uh, before we go, why don't you uh, give people your information for social media or for your business and all that? Anything you
2: want, to get sure. some attention on. I'm on Instagram, uh, Jacob's Hammer. With an underscore. We didn't talk about Jacob's hammer at all. There we go.
0: We got to definitely do that. <laughs> How about you come on just to talk about that?
2: Sure. Specifically. I'll bring some stuff in and we can really
0: nerd out on Metal I've talked liturgy. about your stuff mm-hmm. several times in different, different episodes. Cool. Because I'm very impressed with that too. I love the shit you make, Jake. Thanks. Um, I really do. You make some cool stuff. Thank you so much for coming and I'll talk to you next time.
2: All right. Sounds good, Jeff. Bye, everybody.
1: To say it with your chest now, say it with your chest now I'm young, I'm free, can't nobody take